The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, hello, world, and welcome back to a Solid 7 podcast, a better-than-average podcast, if I do say so myself, and I almost always do. I am, of course, your reasonably humble host, Kale, and back with us here this week is my brother from another mother, as the kids say, uh, podcast regular, Jason Shorey. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Hey, everybody. Thank you, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, I have this uh, habit of uh, always booking you after like absolute rock stars. Not that all the guests aren't rock stars, but uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, tough act to follow, dude. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was Cadre Diaz last time, and uh, and now we got Lieutenant Colonel. Yeah, uh, dude, I just actually finished listening to the last episode, and uh, man, it was phenomenal. Um, you really have. You've had some amazing people on this podcast and uh, it's very humbling to to be here as well uh, alongside of them so i'm excited Dude, to jump the opportunity the the colonel was a challenge because <clears throat> like legitimately a challenge as a host because he just knows so much about so much and has it on like instant recall um the it, like he's tough to wrangle <laughs> like from like from a host interviewer standpoint um, and, you know, combine that with my natural proclivity to chase a rabbit trail and boy, it's, I it's tough. A, I have a friend up here cause I, I tend to do the same thing. Uh, I've been called inspired, uh, because I have a tendency to do the same. I had a friend that told me, he said, you know, if it wasn't for rabbit trails, I'd get lost in the woods. <laughs> and, uh, I love that cause that's where, yeah. where I'm at, man. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really awesome listening to that episode. Uh, and hearing just the conversation and how it did bounce all over the place. But just like you said, the knowledge that he has uh, and was able, uh, just able to delve into, um, like talking about the differences in the, in the PTS and the PTSD and just all these different studies and things that are like just all of those aspects, man, uh, from that to, to, to war and to <laughs> military and just, uh, which obviously, but um, just, even the spiritual levels, listening to him talk, it was just, uh, it was an amazing episode. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've, I've got some more of, uh, I mean, I've been a fan of his for such a long time. Uh, we didn't really get into like when and how I found him. And I don't remember what year it was, but it was a long time ago. Uh, I guess we did a little bit. Um, I, I think I first saw and heard him in an interview with Glenn Beck. Uh, and of course, they've since co-authored a book together and, and stuff like that. But just, just such an awesome guy. And uh more than uh, than excited to uh, to read some more of his stuff and and to have uh, you know I mean you know how it is once somebody's a guest I just immediately claim them as a friend from then on out 
And so I'm, I'm friends with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman now. That's just how, I don't know if he's aware. I don't know if, I don't know you if know, he, it sounds like it with the conversation you guys were having. So that's, that's not a bad thing. It sounds like it's mutual. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I could have done like a four part series and I still don't think I could have hit on, on everything. So, but yeah, well, nothing's changed since the last time you were here, dude, we are still now and forever fueled by Jocko go here at the Salisbury podcast. I have a nice cold can of watermelon here that I am desperately in need of now. You're past this point of, uh, cheers, sir, of like bedtimes with your girls like a legit <gasps> wait a minute look i was like i was ready to move on and jason has come prepared <laughs> so after all of these episodes i don't even know how many it is at this point i actually have a jocko go today and and i have a good old black cherry vanilla is what i shall be enjoying this evening once upon a time a back savage Dude, this yeah, this is an audio only podcast, so listeners can't see the shock on my face. Jason was one of those. You were one of those rare ones early on because, like, we were early, like, admittedly early adopters on the Jocko Go. And while I didn't find the OG flavors, like their original formulations, off-putting, many people did just because of the the monk fruit was such a different flavor for most people. Um, and so the problem is, like, everybody who I tried to turn onto the hype train, then that was kind of turned off by that. It's been an uphill sell on, on the new flavors and on the reformulations. Be like, I know, but you got to try again. And everybody's like, yeah, okay, try again. And then you try again and they are good. Um, uh, yeah, they which, are. The first time around, man, they were not. <laughs> like, I, I tried every stinking flavor that was out there. Like all four of us, me and my family, we all tried them and all of us, like we... I can't remember. Maybe it was the orange or something like that. We like choked down maybe half of a can. <laughs> and then we're like, my gosh, kale is like crazy uh, at this point. But uh, hearing you guys talk about the new improved flavors and all that, and it's like, let's try it again. And to be honest with you, uh, I've tried most of the flavors. I haven't tried all of them. Um, but every flavor I've had, I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're all really, really good at this point. I'm, I'm very, very impressed. Uh, yeah, at, at the improvement in flavor as as they've redone them. So. There's a few ironies here, which are one, the one you're drinking is one of the few flavors I still just personally don't enjoy. Um, it's one of the few that's not in our rotation. Uh, but also, like it was kind of the monk fruit that turned you guys off, but trying it turned you guys on to using monk fruit as a sweetener, <laughs> like in, an alternative in your home, and you liked that. Uh, but it was that particular application. But hey, all is yeah, well that ends well. Yeah, we I'm still use it for coffees and all that kind of stuff at this point. It's just there's like one type that we found that just tastes like sugar, but it doesn't have all of the, yeah. the negative side effects thereof. So it's uh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm a little concerned right now. I might I might shoot a, a message off to uh, Brian Littlefield over there, Jocko Fuel, because I got an email. From the origin side of the house, of course, these are, are sister companies. Jocko Fuel was birthed out of, of Origin, Maine. And uh, I got an email from the origin side of the house, basically, that they're not like ending their affiliate program, but they're ending the current version of it. And there's, there's, uh, there's stuff in the works. There's other stuff coming. So not that it will be gone forever, but that this current iteration is gone. And I, it wasn't super clear in the email. So I, I, I followed up. I'm like... Hey, excited for what's coming, you know, thanks for the update and everything. I'm like, but 
does this apply? Because our like we have simultaneously here at the podcast been Origin and Jocko Go or Jocko Fuel really affiliates, and our promo uh-huh. code has been good for both. So really, I, I don't know if that's in effect right now. So it, it's possible right now that our like our promo code won't work on Origin. I haven't checked it. Um, but I emailed back. I'm like, hey, understand. Thanks for the update. You know, excited for what's next for you guys. Uh, of course, um, you know, big things going on on both sides of the house there. Chris Pratt, now our co-owner over on the Jocko Fuel side of the house. That's awesome. Um, but so I'm like, but is does this just apply to Origin? Or does this apply to uh, Jocko Fuel too? And I haven't heard back just yet. So I'm, I'm hoping... Um, you know, I, I think these programs will come back in another form and, and hopefully will be included in that uh, when that time comes. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not raking it in over here, Sound 7 Podcast. Um, but I, we do okay. We do okay on our little cut from Jocko Fuel. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, hey, guys, please, uh, please don't turn this picket off. <laughs> <laughs> So. I, I do have a question for you, and I yes. know uh, a better um, a better guest would be purchasing theirs through the Solid Seven link on the Jocko website. But uh, so, I, out of curiosity, um, yes. So there's there's a big store up here. It's a big chain uh, up here in Michigan. It's called Meyer uh-huh. um, Northern Chain, and they've actually started carrying all the products. So like, we literally we even get like the protein shakes and the powders and all that nice. kind of stuff here. They have several of the Jocko hydrates and mm-hmm. uh, all of that kind of stuff, which is awesome. They don't have all the flavors uh, for the Jocko Ghost and stuff. I haven't tried the blueberry or like the the um, like the Sprite version or whatever yeah. they want to call it, lemon lime or whatever. So there's a few handful that I haven't tried yet. Um, but uh, dude, they continually put them on sale up here. The Jocko goes on can for a dollar a piece. Nice and man, that's real hard to beat. Dude, um, listen, man. listen. I'm well aware. That we're all living in this Biden economy. You, the listeners, the fans, you get yours. You get the best deal you can get. I'll tell you, our normal MO here at the house, um, uh, Brian, don't get mad at me. uh, Because I I understand that, like, they get the biggest cut, too, when you buy from them, right? Because, you know, when they're selling through anybody else, that's wholesale, and, you know, the wholesaler, like, they want their cut and everything else. So, you know, roger that. I get it. Um, us, for, like, sake of ease and for price and, like, hey, we got a budget, like like everybody else. Uh, Joe Rogan uh, often talks about, like, there's a point in rich, like, there's a, there's a level of wealth that you hit where everything just becomes free. Because you just like the price, it, the, a purchase has to be so crazy for you to notice the price that everything just begins to be free. That's not us, That's <laughs> right? Be a horrible life to live, you know. So <laughs> we do two. We do so many things on like Amazon Auto Ship that anything that's added to our Auto Ship, we're automatically getting for like fifteen percent off, and you know, free shipping and and whatever else. So we have a rotation. It, there's like math involved, right? I mean, there's like calculus involved in what flavors ship to us on what rotation. We have like three different schedules so that each month is a mix of the flavors that we want. Um, so those just come. And then what we do is anytime there's a Jocko fuel sale where that's the best time, like to use the solid seven promo code 
which this whole thing is going to sound like we've opened with an ad. It's not. They we're <laughs> affiliates. They don't advertise on the podcast. Um, we're just fans. Um, we just just believe in their product. Um, but uh, when they do a sale that will stack with our promo code, and then it's like free shipping on ninety nine dollars or more. Okay, Roger that. I'm going to buy four cases. Uh, probably other things too, but I'm going to get at, the, at a minimum, I'm going to get four cases of go that is just going to supplement the stockpile. It's just going to make it stretch uh, yeah. that much longer. And that's, that's how, that's how we use it here at the solid seven studios. Yeah. You'd be proud. Uh, we just did an event up here. Um, it was a big statewide event or whatever. And I was actually, uh, I was the sound engineer for it. And, it was a whole family ordeal. It was actually really, really cool. We had Jocelyn running the streaming and my, my oldest daughter and Angel was working on like running video stuff. And uh, my youngest, Ariana, she was taking care of little kids and all kinds of stuff. But there was a guy that was working with us that was running lights for the, the conference that we were at. And uh, he was driving home. Uh, yeah, up here, weather is not the greatest right now. We've had lots of snow over this last week. It seems like the last two months of not having snow and having beautiful weather up here has decided to all hit in one week. So we've literally caught back up to our normal snow totals where we would be at. And I think right now we're pushing right about one outside. So it's kind of cold out right now as well. Uh, and he was driving home really late that night and I knew that the roads would be slick and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, dude, he's like, I need something to keep me awake. That's not going to cause me to, to end up having a sugar crash. And I'm like, get Meyer. You got Jocko go, go get yourself some. And he did. And he really liked it. So nice. there you go. <laughs> getting, getting them on the path. I, I like it. <laughs> you are, man. So, but I was, I was delving in, in there before you shocked me with your very own can of, of Jocko go <laughs> that, uh, like we're, we're just in different stages of parenting and your girls are older and, uh, my kids are still in the, like we do bedtime. Like that's a thing. Uh, and the problem with that is that all of the crap that you do to make a four-year-old or a six-year-old sleepy also works on a 43-year-old. <laughs> and so I'm like trying for the life of me to uh, get my daughter down before recording tonight. She is not having it. She's a hilarious human being. She will tell you, like she'll look you dead in the eye and tell you she does not sleep. Uh, she's like, I lay there quietly. I do not sleep. Uh, and she's adamant. She's she's dead serious. Um, and so like, <laughs> literally, like just now as I'm trying to get her down before we record, um, she's I hear her go. Why do you keep doing that? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, stop making that loud noise. She meant snoring, because she's still <laughs> wide awake and I'm passing out in her bed. So it's recording uh, sessions like this where. The Jacko Go really does. It earns its keep for sure. Yeah, if it makes you, makes you feel any better, we uh, we did with living in a rural era, uh, area, rural area, we usually do our shopping like once a week or whatever. And, and Angel and I had actually gone out and that was exactly what we did tonight. We went out to dinner and went and got our weekly shopping and stuff done and came back and we were sitting down, uh, finished watching the new Hunger Games movie with the girls or whatever. And Dude, as soon as that movie was done, my eyelids, like, I couldn't even keep them open for a moment. So I had to set alarms. I'm like, I better set alarms to make sure that I, I make it in to get recording. I do, I, I do the same thing. I, <laughs> yeah. if, if, I'm, if, if I'm doing a late night recording session like this, 
um, or later in the evening, at least for me, uh, and uh, post bedtime for the kids, I make sure I set alarms on my Apple watch so that I physically can feel it on me, uh, in case I pass out in their bed, which has happened. One time I slept through the watch alarm and I wake up to my wife like, Hey, are you recording? I'm like, Oh yeah, <laughs> sure am. Speaking, speaking so. of Apple watch. Uh, I know you and Josh talked about it. I saw that they finalized uh, their decision that they've got to remove the the whole O2 sensor and stuff from the watches, man. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, so you know, it's it's Michael uh, Scott getting a vasectomy, right? Snip, snap, snip, snap. Um, <laughs> like it's on again, off again. So um, initially, yes, like there was a stay put on the sales, and then they just, they just stopped their sales at that point. And then they got to stay on that court decision. Then they could sell them again. And now they're back to, there is no stay, so they can't sell them. And I, I guess, you know, I was just hearing the updates on this on the last day or two. Um, and I, I just didn't have time to really dig into it. Um, and so I can't tell if they're just software limiting the hardware where you can't access it. Or if they're literally making different hardware versions. But either way, if you go by... Any of the Apple Watches, not just the Ultra 2 or the Series 9, if you go buy an Apple Watch right now that typically would have had the O2 sensor built in, uh, what you can buy off the shelf or from Apple right now will not have it. Now, that does not apply to the stock at any other retailers. So you might buy one of those from Amazon or Best Buy or whatever, and absolutely have the O2 sensing capability in it. But you're not going to get that directly from Apple for the time being. From what I understand, the appeal process at this point on that's going to take like a year. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it helps when you're the most valuable company. Well, actually, Microsoft just overtook them in the last week. But it helps when you're one of the most valuable companies in the world. Uh, I, I'm guessing they'll probably find a friendly judge somewhere to, to issue another stay. That's about how that works. Money, money talks. Yeah, money talks. Hey, what what are you gonna do? I mean, wh- that's all we're talking about, anyways. Though, like this company just wants their cut of the pie. Like they just want, right. you know, some portion of every Apple Watch sale, and maybe they're do that. I don't. I don't know. I haven't looked at the tech. I mean, I think I hit on that with Josh. Like, um, it's not like I think Apple's some you know altruistic. Like they're not in this for the good of humanity. And so, hey, maybe they did rip this company off. Maybe they do owe the owe them a portion of every sale. Uh, I don't know. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. Hopefully, I think you you said something about how you had ordered one of the watches, didn't you? Yeah, I went through a whole rig. I mean, you know me. Listeners, I think, know me at this point. I'm on, particularly on tech, I'm always working some angle, um, you know, either in my personal life or through through work or something. And um, yeah, I, I snagged an Ultra 2 not too long ago. And it's, I'm zero buyer's remorse. It's freaking fantastic. It is, it's by far, and I've owned several models, the best Apple watch to date. I I know like I, man, I I love Apple everything other than the phones. The phones still just, (laughs) (laughs) they they get on my nerves, man. They do. But like for real, just the security and stuff that's on them. And uh, there's, there's several reasons why it's, it's, it's getting to the point where despite my liking of how a Samsung functions in comparison, because not all Androids are created equal. Like you can't just say Android. Yeah, and no, quite, really quite the opposite. 
Yeah. yeah. The market is Samsung and Apple. That's it. Like everything else that's there, that's just background noise. Uh, your two competitor, your two competitors, it's it's Samsung and Apple. And uh, that's all we do is Samsung at this point for it. But man, it's just it's it's starting to get awful hard not to not to move over to Apple for those those aspects. Not that I'm doing anything that I have to worry about. I think you were talking about that with uh, was, was it Chris Cla- uh, Chris Classified or whatever that you had on the other night. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was that was one of the things they were said you guys were talking about or whatever is you shouldn't have anything to worry about. And if they do hear here's something, who cares? But uh, the same time, man, I don't I don't want to have this thought process that I am being listened to to everything I say because, good lord, people vent, people say things, and and the thought that maybe that's being recorded and and can be taken against you, you know what I mean? That's just it's kind of crazy, especially in this world that we're living in when you see all this stuff going on with January sixth and all this other stuff. And 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 that was actually something that just came out this week that they're trying to listen in on conversations where they're trying to hear. Uh, people mentioning things like MAGA and things like that. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. Now NSA is listening. Now, you're right. On, you're on the list, but, dude. <laughs> I know. But listening to these things so they could kind of watch them. And uh, it's just it's it's bonkers that that's even a thought that it may be possible and that it's happening. Is it happening? I don't know because, yeah. well, I'm just me. But, uh, man, the thought that it is or that it is possible and truth be told, Apple's the main thing that's keeping that from really happening yeah so it's it's starting to get more and more difficult not to to move over to something like that so i um i i had somebody who works um i gotta put this in a way that can't get them into trouble in any way i, I talked to somebody who works inside like works on the tech side uh so not like customer service or marketing or anything like that somebody who works on the tech side of one of these large companies uh, that makes IoT, makes connected devices for your home um, and the kind of devices that intentionally have microphones in them, voice-activated type things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy, that individual explaining to me all of the reasons that absolutely none of those devices are in their home uh, are pretty eye-opening. I actually saw a great meme about this, I don't know, yesterday, day before. And it was like... Um, Tech bros, everything in my house is connected to the web. Tech workers, nothing in my house is connected to anything except the printer. And I keep a gun next to the printer just in case things pop off. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's more and more true. But then the flip side is like, if you listen to some of these guys, um, uh, Sean, Sean Ryan, who we love the Sean Ryan show here at the Sound 7 Podcast. We love nothing more at the Sound 7 Podcast than promoting other people's podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sean Ryan's had a couple of really great episodes with um, some hackers. And I can't remember the names. They wouldn't be hard to find. So just go to Sean Ryan's, you know, uh, whatever catalog of shows in your podcast player of choice. And there was a guy who like used to be uh, like a black hat hacker and like went to jail for, for a while, like was in the news, like hacked, you know, NASA. It's funny because they're like, oh, he hacked NASA. He didn't hack like toxic, like he hacked like the Space Center website. Uh, but he's definitely done some shady stuff. And uh, these days is more maybe gray hat hacker. Uh, but there's another kid that's got a hacking background, but he's more white hat hacker and like is helping to expose, you know, like um you know sex trafficking rings and people who are exploiting yeah. children and all this stuff and dude, when when those guys start to break down like how like how serious you really have to take it 
if you really want to secure your communications and secure your data. And um, that the one guy who was, uh, man, this is a great podcast, right? I'm like, this guy whose name? I don't remember at all. <laughs> Maybe I'll try and look Oh, you were prepared for tonight, you know, um, so. <laughs> always. Oh, that's that's what we do here at the Solid 7 Podcast is just prepare, prepare, prepare. Um, but I saw a, like a video from him just on social media talking about like how easy it is with one of those little handheld flipper devices at this point to to make entry into your home without you seeing it, without you detecting it. Because those flippers, like he's like, I'm not going to show you how to do this, but it's also not hard to figure out. Like if you're using wireless cameras um, that are uh, dependent upon Wi-Fi to operate, 100% you're never going to see me on your cameras. And it takes mm. little to no effort with this little available, like essentially over-the-counter device, these flippers, for me to capture or discover the correct radio signal to operate your garage door opener. And I'm going to walk into your garage and keep you from seeing me on your cameras all with this one little handheld device. That's crazy, which I, I still get laughed at up here. Um, because again, being in a very rural area, um, and the village, again, there's, there's more people than what it sounds like, but the village that like that, that our offices and stuff are in, there's just under 1,300 people uh, that live in the village that's right here. Um, now you go just outside, you know, three minutes north of here, and you're into different townships and stuff like that, and it starts getting bigger. But, um, I mean, within 30 minutes here, we're talking like 30,000 people, 35,000 people within 30 minutes of here. So it's not a big area, right? It's rural. Um I mean, thinking from like Winter Park, Orlando, like those areas, yes. like that kind of spread. It's two counties, right? It's two full counties. Got about thirty-five thousand people, and so it's a small area. And uh, I get laughed at all the time at the fact that literally I'll close my garage, I lock my garage, I lock my vehicle inside my garage, and then lock the the, the house doors and all of that stuff. And I get mocked because people will literally, especially this time of year, will literally leave their cars running with the keys in it when they run into the store and stuff because they're just not worried about it yeah and uh i just i have very little trust for humanity unfortunately from the places that i've lived and the things that i know and uh i'd rather not provide a joyride for anybody else so i keep my junk locked yeah i, I just it's like there's so little downside right like if you locked it and nobody ever tries to get into it oh okay but if you didn't and they do, you yeah. know, I, I don't know. And it, it just like so many criminals, it's just crimes of opportunity. They're, 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 they tend to be cowards. They're looking for soft targets. And anything you do for your person, for your vehicle, for your home, anything you can do to make that appear to be a hardened target, they're just, they're not looking for the hassle. They're just going to go look somewhere else. They're, they're not, most of these are not super criminals. Most of these are not people, you know, throwing the meatball with the Xanax over the fence to put your dog to sleep and, you know, <laughs> spraying haze to identify the laser sensors in your alarm system. No, they're just going, they're just going to go down the street to the house with no dog and no alarm and no lights on outside. And the house is all dark and the windows are, are blocked by, you know, large ve vegetation. Like you're just looking for the soft target, the person who's, at the gas pump, face buried in their phone, zero situational yeah. awareness, no idea who's around or what's going on. Like, if you just keep your head up and make eye contact with people individually and then 
you do you you lock the doors and you don't do things like and I do I used to be this guy um but, but you don't do things like put Smith and Wesson or Glock or SIG or NRA stickers on your vehicle because what this says is if you're looking for a gun check here um so just you know lock the doors cuz what I mean if you're in San Francisco okay leave the doors unlocked because at least they won't break your window then but most places they're just going to go look for the unlocked door or, or whatever. Anything that just because no security system is perfect and all security systems are defeatable. Every castle can be breached. I mean, just period. Every code can be broken. But what you're trying to do is add time. You're adding right. layers of difficulty in time. Yeah, I wouldn't say any of us are are going to be prime targets where people are just really trying to to figure out ways to get into our houses. And so simple things like locking doors and, and keeping things closed, um, that, that keeps people away for the most yeah. part. And listen, I'm trying to do people a favor. Um, there's a prize waiting for you on the other side of my doors. It's just not the one you want. And so, yeah, my outdoor lights are on at night and there's cameras in places and yeah, there's an alarm and that's all for your safety. <laughs> so and that's that's not gung-ho like i wish somebody would it's not that that's that's a moronic attitude too i don't ever 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 want to be involved in a self-defense situation like that um but, no, but if you are you want to be ready there it is that's that's the truth of it you know and that so. comes from like you were saying uh, people sitting at, at a gas station pump with their face buried in their phone yeah. They're looking for people that aren't paying attention. If you're just up and being looking around and making sure of, of your surroundings and what's going on, which is something I try to instill in my kids and all of that kind of stuff. As long as you are constantly, your head's on a swivel, people leave you alone. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's the way it goes. You're not going to be a target. And yeah, that's a, the a biggest lot idea is to yeah. not be a target. Uh, yeah. A lot of times for, for predators like that of the two legged variety, just being seen is enough to deter them because they don't want to be seen or noticed or, or known just that eye contact of, no, I've clocked you is often not always. Um, and you should, you know, that should be your first layer of defense, not your last layer of defense. Uh, but just uh, situational awareness, head on a swivel who looks out of place. Um, it can, can a lot of times be enough. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, even with legitimate animal predators, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, they they rely to be on uh, like being sneaky, um, unless you're like a black bear or something like that, because black bear are just they're, they're dumb animals and they just wander into places that they shouldn't be all the time. And <laughs> Dude, they're big uh, enough to yeah, bears, uh, uh, you know, brown and white bears in particular, uh, and uh, like gorillas really don't have to worry so much about the sneaking. No, what are you no, gonna do? Don't. What are you gonna do? Yeah. I've everything seen else. From I've seen, the Reven I've seen the Revenant. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've seen uh, the Revenant, right? That's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio and the bear attack. Uh, the, well, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, it might be. It might be that name. Yeah, I'm, uh, not look I'm not looking to throw it down with a brown bear. No, thanks. No, no. But even with that, like once once you recognize them, you make a little bit of noise and they freak out and they leave. Uh, I remember like up here everyone is freaked out about alligators because it's not something that they're accustomed to. I remember my senior year, I was skipping one day 
and uh, we were we were over by like um, what is it St. John's or whatever the, yeah. the river over there St. John's River and there was a, an alligator it's probably like six or seven foot long that was right on the shore and and the friend that I was with literally walked right up and like hissed at it and stomped or whatever and it went off into the water you know yeah. and it's as long as it's not trying to protect the nest or something like that once it's recognized they get freaked out and they're gone you know and most yeah. animals are that way have you ever seen that footage that I'm pretty sure is from a PGA tournament, but it's a golfer and he's walking towards a water hazard, not seeing a gator that's sunning itself uh, yes. and notices it. And he jumps And the next uh, golfer that comes by sees it. And is somebody who's clearly from the South and just walks over and not even with his club, with his hand, just like reaches down and flicks the gator's tail. And yeah, it takes off down into the water because we're just not on the menu. Like they're not. No, no. They're, they're not looking to tangle with us. So, no, yeah, I mean, there's, there's even cool. been, uh, there was a story a couple of years back here. Well, actually one in the past year, um, in, in my neighborhood, there's a, a Creek that runs in my neighborhood actually ends up running through to that same river system. St. John river system connects. Uh, but kids were jumping off a bridge into the river and kid got bit, but it just so rarely, unless they're small, it so rarely results in any kind of death because, and this happens a lot with sharks too. They bite and realize, mm -hmm. oh, you weren't the food I thought you were. Yeah. And they'll let go there. But there was a kid in a different part of this same, well, I guess they were in a, a small river tributary to that larger river. So something a little bigger than the creek through here. But um, there was a, a pretty popular like swimming hole, like rope swing type thing. And kid landed, like comes off the rope, like right down on like a 13 footer. I mean, just a, a dinosaur, a freaking dinosaur. And it bit like across his shoulder and neck and uh, didn't even roll him. Normally they'll bite in gators and alligators. Yeah. They do that death roll, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Nat Geo for the love of God. Um, but uh, <laughs> they'll grab you and they, they roll and uh, didn't even roll him like bit. It was just surprised. Like it was just a fight or flight reaction chomped and let go. And the kid was fine. I doubt he ever went swimming there again. Um, no, I wouldn't. But, uh, Good God, man. No. <laughs> but that's, one of the, that's one of the funny things about the water down in Florida, especially like there's, there's not many places that don't have a gator of some sort. Yeah. Uh, whether it be a tributary or. Well, little little rain runoff area or whatever the case may be. There's a good chance there's something in there that you don't want to play with if you're not really I, careful. I had this recently with an event that I was attached to where there was supposed to be a fishing component. And, uh, you know, it was a, a leader with, with some youth was supposed to be fishing this, this pond. And somebody had seen a gator of probably three, four, five feet in this pond back in November of 2023. Okay, this is now, we're talking January 2024. And um, the decision was made, well, the we'll have to drive somewhere else. We'll have to drive them somewhere to fish or something because we can't fish that. And I'm like, I, I guarantee if you check like the actuarial tables of insurers that there is greater risk in being in the vehicle on the roads, transporting somewhere else oh, yeah, than there is fishing that pond that may or may not have an alligator in it. Any, any pond at that you're out there fishing, even if you're on the shore, um, if you're in a boat, 
again, as long as you're not messing with them, as long as they're not trying to protect their nest, they don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. Like the attacks that are going to happen are going to be so rare, radically rare. You just don't have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if you're, if you didn't grow up in, or you don't live in like Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, if about like in Florida, the rule I've heard my whole life is like, if, if the body of water is supporting fish, if it's big enough that there are fish living in it, uh, not not minnows, like something of size, you can count on there being a gator. And it was funny, the guy that was leading that other thing, I was at a neighborhood pond with a park with a pond with the kids, and there's like a three or four foot gator that's been in there for, I don't months and months and months now. And it was up by the dock, and I took a picture of it. I'm like, hey, bro, this one's off limits. Sorry. <laughs> so... That's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, in this, you know, insane world of risk and liability that we find ourselves in now, you know, it's just, it's insane. The whole world is upside down and it keeps getting worse and worse. And uh, just makes me glad that I'm I'm living up here in a rural area. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, listeners, if you haven't, Jason is one of our regulars. So, you know, if you're enjoying this one or if you end up enjoying this one, go back and catch some of the other episodes. Uh, but uh, Jason and I worked uh, together for a long time down here in uh, sunny central Florida. And he left us for the Arctic freaking circle. <laughs> You know, we aren't far from the 45th parallel. So no, you're really uh, no, I'm not, not kidding. Far off of there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we're, we're all of, I think, 20 minutes away from the 45th parallel. So halfway between the equator and the North Pole. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about what it's, the places we go shopping. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to dig into because we've been hearing so much about the, the Arctic weather here the past couple of weeks, particularly with its impact on, uh, the NFL playoffs, because evidently that's a thing people care about. But I just, I do want to be a responsible podcast host and say that the guys we were talking about that were on Sean Ryan, uh, one was Ryan Montgomery. That's the more ethical white hat guy. And the other one is uh, Bryce Case Jr., who as a hacker went by YT, like the letters Y and T, cracker. So if uh, if you want to follow up on the Sean Ryan show with those with those guys, or you know maybe we'll try and get them on here, you know whatever. There you go. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, dude, uh, the country's been having some weather. I've been enjoying the maps. This happens every few years that show literally the entire country in like shades of blue and purple, and then Florida's like orange, yellow, and red. I'm like, yeah, suck it, rest of you. You know, the, the funny thing, you and I have talked about this several times at this point because of where we're at. And um, a lot of people, when they think Michigan, they think Detroit and they think big city and they think just run down gross places. And that's definitely not where we live. Uh, we're up in the Huron National Forest. So it's like big old pinewood forests and stuff that are up here that are absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's very, very, very picturesque and, and nice um, every every time, every season of the year. <clears throat> We have uh, one of the lakes that's right by us during the summertime ends up being like one, usually one of the top 10 most beautiful lakes in the country. Dude, and, the, the pictures um, you send me from this lake, you're such a jerk. I mean, it's <laughs> like crystal clear. You see all the way to the bottom. It's like something made up. It, it's like yeah. it's it's, uh, you know, it's one of these new AI pictures is what it is. Yeah, it's it, dude. It is so beautiful. And you go out there and you're just you're fishing on it in the summer and uh, spring and even fall months and stuff. And, and dude, it is just it is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful and uh, nothing honest, nothing know, in it will eat you <laughs> no no and you got some big old fish in there too man 
but but yeah, just the different pike and walleye and all kinds of good stuff. But uh, even during the winter, like I've seen some pictures just because the ice up here has a tendency to kind of have a blue sheen to it. Um, so even even when you get the ice that's that's freezing over on the lake, and it's just like, my gosh, it is absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. Um, the, the big thing that I have, I've been up here now for almost eight years. This June, it's going to be eight years, which is defies logic. Um, but uh, the one thing that I've really learned at this point is I, I don't mind the snowstorms. Like, I really don't. I actually love them. Uh, it's not like a hurricane. Like, we just had that big storm go through, and um, we had, I don't know, 12 inches, something like that, of snow that we ended up having, 14 inches, somewhere around there over the last week and week and a half. And uh, so we had a good bit of snow, and it's colder temperatures right now. Uh, there's not a cloud in the sky right now, so it's really cold tonight. But there's nine trillion stars that you get to see, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, but you go through those things, and, and I love the storms, and I love when the storm is cleaned up because then it's clear blue skies that are beautiful. It looks like there's literally diamonds on the ground everywhere you look. It is just, it, again, it's breathtaking. The thing I don't like is shoveling and having to plow. So that time of transition, <laughs> once the storm is done, to when the skies are blue again, that's the part that I don't like. But, uh, I mean, I guess it's it's not a whole lot different from a hurricane, except for you don't have to worry about your house blowing over or having to go out and repair your fence. You're just having to shovel yeah. a little bit. I just remember from going back to visit family in Illinois, um, like, you know, early spring even, uh, but just being there it's snow's only pretty when it's fresh and then like with the roads when they've salted and then if you get rain or sleet with it it's this nasty dirty salty undercarriage destroying just sludge and then what happens because you got to live right and like you got to put the snow somewhere you know, if you if it's a light snow, if it's a one-off, it'll melt off. It's like it rained. It's no big factor. But when it's snow and snow and snow, they got to put it somewhere, like when they go and plow. And so a lot of it gets put in these big piles in, like, shopping center parking lots. Those things take months to melt. And they're not pretty. This isn't, like, pretty snow mound, like, let's go make a frosty out of this. No, it's that same <laughs> nasty, like, it's full of oil and rock and dirt, and it's just sitting there slowly deteriorating this sludge for months. So it's like, snow's cool, snow's pretty fun to visit, but the practicalities of it, it is not like a Hallmark movie. I, I disagree with you from oh, the perspective. Here we go. Of, I, I live in it, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm going to disagree with you from the perspective where we live uh, again. Cause again, that's, that's a lot of like you get big city thought process and it does just look nasty and you do get the fresh snow and it's bright and white. And then five seconds later, it's nasty gray and Brown and gross, um, which is not the case here. Um, because of where we live and we're out in the middle of the woods and all of that kind of stuff. So it stays very, very white and beautiful everywhere you look with the, the caveat to the parking lots. And, and usually even in the parking lots, you get these good God, man, 15, 20 foot tall mountains of snow that are there. It's crazy. And yeah. they're like that the whole time until you hit like March and April and it starts to melting. And then it does look nasty. Not, not by us, not like in our neighborhood, not even in the village and stuff like that. Cause it melts actually pretty quick when that sun's out. Um, people that like, I didn't realize it even 
you can be in the 20s, even the lower 20s and the teens, and if the sun is out bright, it melts snow. And you wouldn't think it, but it's that bright light that's hitting hitting that snow, and it just it still causes it to melt, and it's still uh, intense. That's why you can literally be out in 17-degree weather and have a long sleeve shirt and jeans on up here, that is, because the humidity is so low, and, and you're comfortable moving around and shoveling and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not what you think. It's a lot. Yeah. That's why I love where we live. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting year down here. We'll normally get, uh, you know, you'll know this, but listeners, we, we get a couple of freezes a year, you know, two, three, like legitimate freezes. Um, you know, people go outside and cover their plant. Other people, not me. People go out and cover their plants out <laughs> up with it, this real deal. This is a thing. They cover their plants with blankets. And I, I guess that works. I, I don't know. Seems has always seemed a little silly to me. Uh, but uh, this year, despite this has been pretty mild, like it's gotten cool. It hasn't really gotten cold. There haven't been any freezes. I think we've barely seen the 30s into central Florida. Uh, but North Florida has gotten some legit proper cold weather. And whereas it would be rare to see even one report of this, I've seen two reports of snow in Florida this year. I saw one uh, like individual post a video that made the rounds. They happened to be up at the top of um, the um, the lighthouse in St. Augustine, Florida, and we're getting snow. It wasn't the snow wasn't making it to the ground, but it was still snow at the top of the lighthouse. But it wasn't like cool flaky snow. It was the little pellety, you know, it wasn't sleet. It wasn't snow kind of in between in Florida, that's snow. Uh, and then like last week in Pensacola, Pensacola, it wasn't staying on the ground, but Pensacola got snow. Yeah. But Pensacola is yeah. just barely Florida. It just, is. I remember, yeah. I remember being up there in high school and we were up on a school trip and someone had left a, a can of soda or whatever on the tour bus and it had frozen and it exploded everywhere in the middle of the night. And then it warmed up and, oh, it was such a disgusting mess. Yeah, Pen yeah. Pensacola is a, yeah, it's barely Florida. So do you do like, uh, you know, additional wintertime preps because of where you're at though? Like, uh, you know, backup wood and heat options. I, I mean, it, it could be like you're far enough north though. It could legitimately be an issue for you to be without so power or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, we usually don't have to worry about power issues. I mean, we get a handful of times and usually it's not during the winter months that we have to worry about it. Um, fortunately we're North enough that we usually don't get like, um, like ice storms and stuff. You get like maybe two hours South of us, like the Flint area, and they'll have some nasty, nasty ice storms that literally, man, they destroy anything and everything. They're pulling full mature trees to the ground. Um, power lines, all kinds of stuff that's just horrible. But uh, uh, usually if we end up losing power, it's because some buffoon wasn't paying attention and ran into a power pole or something like that. Um, so it's it's fairly rare. You know, we'll have a handful of times a year. Usually it's during more of the summer months that we'll end up having those issues. But it was enough where we ended up getting a generator and it runs everything except for an AC, which up here we don't have to worry about usually. Um, you open the windows and throw a fan on and you're pretty good most of the time. I mean, it gets warm. We'll still get into hundreds and stuff like that every once in a great while. But so did you uh, go like, like actual installed whole home Jenny, or do you, did you just get one that's big enough that you've got a disconnect box? Yeah. 
got one that's big enough. Yeah. And, and I wired it in myself and no one electrical and all of that kind of stuff. So I just, I wired it in and I have a, have a patch for it that I plug it in and it, it's got auto start. I push a button and it starts right up and whole house comes back on and I'm, I'm good to go. We also have a, a wood burning fireplace, which I just yeah. love having. It's one of the most magical things uh, in the world for us anyways, is especially those first few snows. Uh, when you get those big, like just chunky lake effect snowflakes coming down and we have a big picture window in the front of the house and we'll sit there and be watching TV, just chilling out. Yeah. And these big snowflakes are coming down and there's a beautiful fire in the fireplace. It's just warming the whole house. And man, it, it feels like you're in a movie at that point. It feels yeah. like you're in a globe or something. Um, so it, we do have a wood burning fireplace yeah. as well that kind of supplements heat here and there and stuff. It's like that. funny have, with the fire with the fireplaces. I have one down here. We get to use it a handful of times uh, a year, and of course, obviously, we can just run the heat whenever, anyways. So it's yeah. you know, it's more for the fun of it than the necessity. But uh, and randomly, the colonel actually hit on this uh, last week. But this was something that I learned. Like uh, regular listeners will know of my love for you know colonial America and revolutionary history and it's something I learned like on a tour of an old colonial home or something at one point of unless you of course and they didn't have flus on a lot of the, the chimneys back then but if you don't have things adjusted right and your home isn't weather sealed properly lighting a fire in a fireplace in your home can actually bring down the temperature in the house mm -hmm. rather than warm things because you got to have three things for a fire, fuel, spark, and oxygen, and that sucker starts sucking air, and it's creating negative pressure in your home, and it starts pulling in the cold air. And so that's why you really want to get your fire right, and you've got to have the flu adjusted right, and you really want to have your weather stripping and all that stuff right, because otherwise you can do more damage than good. But again, in modern usage, most of the time, it's more for, oh, look at the pretty fire than it is. Let's warm the house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even even up here, um, they they say typically, depending on what type of fireplace, if you just have just a traditional fireplace or whatever, if you start dipping below twenty degrees um, temperature wise, they say a lot of times, unless you have a blazing fire, you're, you're kind of hurting yourself more so than not uh, because of that aspect. Or or you even have to get to the point where you'll open up a window to keep that airflow going through your house um, to to help. Which I that was again living up here in the north, you you learn these things. Uh, when it is really, really windy outside, if you try to light a fire, it just blows the air right down the flue because it's not warm enough for that hot air to rise out, and it will yeah. blow the smoke right back in the house. So you actually have to open a window for a bit to allow that circulation to then warm up your flue to allow it to actually uh, heat your home and all of that kind of stuff. Little little cool things that you kind of learn in the process that um, make make life better. Yeah. Boy, yeah, I, I don't envy it. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I mean, it's going to be cold here tonight though, Jay. I mean, we're, we're looking like maybe forties. So, you know, deal with that. You know, I will say, <laughs> I, I remember working night shift and when it was getting down into the forties and the thirties, it honestly feels barely equal to what it feels like up here right now when we're in single digits. And it's, I mean, at this point we may even be pushing into negatives at this point. So. It's so funny in Florida, though, when it does get quote unquote cold, um, just because of the mix of transplants, you'll you'll be out and about like we'll take the kids to a park and it's just a mix of people from like sandals, shorts and T-shirts to they're bundled up like they're about to hit the slopes and it'll be then. And that's when it's like 58 degrees outside. <laughs> 
I always, I always love it. We were just down there in, in November, uh, November and early December. And, and it wasn't, I mean, it was fairly warm. It was still eighties and stuff in the days, but, uh, for us, I mean, we were in shorts and t-shirts the whole time. Uh, even though it got down into like, I think one night it got down to the upper fifties or something like that. And everyone's freaking out and putting winter clothes on and stuff. And we're just laughing at everybody. And, uh, for those of you, you couldn't see obviously, cause you're not live with us and not seeing our cameras, but uh, I just pulled it up on mine and we are currently at negative 11 degrees to the Florida 58 degrees. Uh, hey, so hey, listen, by, by 8 a.m. By 8 a.m. though, it's going to be 41 brother. So there you go. It's going to drop got, quick. Got another 17 degrees to go. We, it is like one of the, the crazy things here is even when it gets cold though, like we'll get such obnoxious swings. Um, like we've been bouncing back and forth. Like the high today was 77 high tomorrow is going to be 58. Um, and we'll get a couple of days with the highs in the fifties. Looks like we might actually, uh, get into the thirties over the weekend. That'll be an overnight. That'll probably be like a, you know, like a 6am temp just before the sun comes up. And then we're back, uh, not just into the seventies, but into the eighties. You know, there was one of the greatest things, and this is, this is even kind of hard to comprehend, um, until you're living in it. But, uh, in Florida, there's almost no time that it's not a good time to be outside doing stuff. And because of that, you're always just go, 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 go up here. When you have negative 11, which you can still get out in snowmobile. There's tons of people literally on my way in uh, to the office tonight to record or whatever. I was being passed by droves of snowmobilers and stuff out, just having a blast uh, riding on the fresh powder and stuff out tonight and having, having all kinds of fun. But um, because of the season and that we're in it, it gives you the opportunity to calm down and to rest and recuperate. And there is just something that is spectacular about that in life to just slow down a little bit. And uh, it's amazing because every time I go down there, people are like, dude, you haven't changed. And it's like, it's because I ain't living your life anymore. I mean, sure. I, I guess if you're soft, I'll tell you this though. If David Goggins was visiting your village, he'd be out for a run with nothing but shorts on right now in the negative 11 degrees. So, you know, just chew on that for a little while. I would not be. Uh, Who's going to carry the boats, Jason? Who's going to carry them? (laughs) I have have learned this from the news, though, uh, you know, over the past weeks with all this reporting of, uh, you know, this Arctic weather coming through is uh boy if uh if the you know mainstream news media is to believe the the last thing you want to do in these temperatures is be driving around in a tesla yeah yeah i, I mean they're just <laughs> cars are exploding and catching fire uh, and they're just doing all kinds of horrible stuff in this weather right now dude it's so annoying to watch obviously you know i make no bones bones about being an elon fanboy right like i i love just about everything elon's about uh, right now, but I like, I don't own stock in Tesla. I say that, uh, I may have money in a fund somewhere that's invested in Tesla. I, I don't know, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm not like directly invested in Tesla. I don't own a Tesla, not for lack of desire. Um, <laughs> actually were it not for some, a few mitigating factors right now, there'd probably be a model Y sitting in my driveway right this second. Um, and that might still happen in the next few months. The pricing structure right now, and with the point of sale rebates, you can if you or if you're willing to buy from stock, like from inventory from Tesla right now, 
you can get a Model Y long range performance for like $38,000. Wow. That's before your trade. Dude, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's it's amazing. Pretty, like, yeah. Our, our, the F 150, I think I told you because we had just renewed uh, back in uh -huh. October or whatever the lease that we're on. And, and it's just a basic sport four by four F 150 cloth seats. Um, it's a four by four because we need it up here because we get snow and we've got to be able to get through snow and muck and all of that kind of good fun stuff. And, but, but it's a four by four with cloth seats, sport model. And it's like 70 something grand. Yeah. And to think of a, and to be honest with you, like, don't get me wrong. I know the batteries aren't supposed to last as long in the cold and all these other things that are there with it being such a heavy car because of the batteries, it's probably one of the safer vehicles to actually drive in the cold weather. Well, and with the dual, dual there are no safer vehicles on the road, um, period because of the, because of their, their level of engineering and the low center of gravity, uh, they're just unbelievably safe. <coughs> yeah. But you know, there was some incident in Chicago this past week, and I haven't figured out all of the reality of the details versus the reporting, but, you know, the way – and it, I, I say, you know, uh, you know, big media, big whatever, mainstream media. This was actually like the local news stations. But, of course, those are all owned by like the same three conglomerates mm -hmm. anyways. Um, you know, just reporting on this like Tesla graveyard at a supercharger. Like they got there and their batteries won't charge and the superchargers aren't working. And what I haven't looked into there is what the reality of it was. If there were actually issues with the superchargers there, which could happen, same as every great once in a while, you're at a gas station that's, you know, uh, out of gas or the pumps aren't working. I've had both of those things happen without great cause. Uh, I was at a mobile. I was at a mobile gas station. Uh, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. Pumps were just out. Sorry. Hate it for you. Pumps are out. Um, you know, so if I had been living life on the edge and just cruised in there on fumes and they were out, I, I might've run out of gas before I got to the next gas station, depending on this, like that happens. We act like that's unheard of or impossible, uh, you know, with internal combustion vehicles, but we all know scenarios still where people have run out of gas or there's an issue with the gas station or you can't pay or, or whatever. And so they're just drumming this up as this is this massive, Tesla issue. This is this massive EV issue and you can't trust them uh, in the snow and you can't trust them in the cold. And it just, the reality is even without me owning one, I follow enough industry people who either are owners or are reporting on this. Like there's people who make their whole living at this point on YouTube channels and social media that are dedicated to Tesla and to EVs and their experience and stuff. And so I follow a fair number of those people at this point. And they're like, yeah, this really just boils down to a bunch of people who are too lazy to read their owner's manual or follow instructions. Like if you don't, if you are um, not preconditioning the battery to charge or if you're rolling in with lower than the recommended amount of charge trying to get to the supercharger, like, yeah, you can get yourself in a bind. Uh, but if you do what you're supposed to do, and my thing is like, we're just so far removed from the last time there was a sea change in technology like this uh, i mean i guess you could liken some of technology and computing but you think about what the learning curve must have been for people transitioning from horses and wagons and buggies to internal combustion vehicles yeah i bet people ran out of gas i peep i bet people seized engines up without oil i bet there were all kinds of issues overcoming that learning curve 
And so uh, it just always strikes me as so disingenuous of like just looking for these little hiccups in the learning curve to like bash the entire category. Do, do, I, do I buy into electric vehicles as the salvation of our environment and all this different stuff? No, I don't. I think a lot of that's oversold. Um, you know, they're still dealing with, um, you know, the waste and the byproducts from manufacturing the batteries and the, the end of the life cycle for the batteries and how those materials are mined and how all that's dealt with is problematic. Um, the electricity that you're charging them with. Um, something has to generate that electricity. Now, maybe you're somewhere where that's coming from hydro or wind. Probably not. Wind is hot garbage. Um, maybe some solar. Even the Tesla systems are smart enough. I don't know if this only works if you have the Tesla solar, but the Tesla vehicles are smart enough that you can tell them to only charge when they can pull off of your solar electricity if you have that at your house. So that's kind of dope. But for the most part, people are plugging these in somewhere and either natural gas or coal is likely being burned somewhere distant. Um, now, I'm told the math on that is that that's still uh, ends up being less in emissions and carbon emissions than if you were driving the comparable vehicle, internal combustion. Maybe, maybe not. But I do think they're cool. I do think the te tech is awesome. I do think they're safer vehicles. I do think while I don't want an iRobot situation or a minority report situation where you're not allowed to drive manually anymore, I'm not for that. But I do think ultimately the auto autonomous vehicles are going to make our highways and byways safer. Uh, absolutely. And that was one of the things on both of those movies that you see is the cars are going exponentially faster because it's a computer that's processing, not a human brain. So they're able to go faster and change lanes and keep up with and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm, I, I love the ability to drive and I would still want the ability to drive if I needed to. But at the same time, man, I am thoroughly looking forward to the safety of just having cars drive themselves. Not only that, like there's that thought process. You go on a trip somewhere, you, you lay down, you take a nap, you wake up and you're there, you know, uh, it's kind of like riding a train, except for it's a lot softer and it's yeah. your own, your own vehicle. Or but, even uh, just to read or swivel the seat around and yeah. hang out with your family or your cars. friends who are riding with you or whatever, you know, you, you probably remember that. I mean, being a kid in the eighties and stuff, like uh, everyone had conversion, at least down in Florida, you know, the tropic traveler van, that guy, uh, a lot of people had conversion vans. And they literally had a back bench seat that had a table in front of it. And you could swivel the, the center captain chairs around. So you could be literally driving down the road and playing cards or coloring or whatever. Yeah. We don't have that so much anymore. But uh, yeah, I now at the same, at the same time, and I think you kind of hit on it a little bit. Uh, I definitely don't see electric cars as the savior by any means. They may be a part of the solution going down the road. Um, having friends, there's a power station that's right by here and have friends working there and stuff. And, uh, just talking to them for uh, consumer, um, which is the really big uh, electrical company in, in Michigan or whatever, and talking to them about how their plants and stuff are running at like 125% right now because they're trying to keep up with what's going on right now. You add a ton of people that are trying to charge cars and stuff on, like it it literally can't keep up with it. The grid, yeah. the the abilities of these power stations, they can't, the infrastructure can't keep up with it. And that's why you have country, countries, you have states like California and stuff that are having rolling blackouts and brownouts and they're told you can't charge your car between this time and this time. And uh, you have those things that kind of play into it because 
we don't. If, if they're going to continue refusing to allow us to use nuclear uh, power or whatever, we're, we're never going to have enough power in yeah. our power grid to be able to do those things, um, and definitely not in a clean way. Um, so it, it's going to have to be some type of mix of something uh, in with that that, well, that ends and up. That's, that, possible, that's what's funny too is the irony of part of what's created this this issue in you know the capacity shortfalls and reliability is the renewables because you know if you've converted a significant portion of your grid to wind or solar and the wind's not blowing as is often the case when it's you know 11 degrees below zero out or the sun's not shining your your production falls off right it's just it's not like hydro it's not like fossil fuels and it's not like nu- nuclear Right. And so like the I just have such a hard time these days taking anybody in the quote unquote environmental movement seriously if they're anti-nuclear. Right. And you had uh, a physicist, Jason, on uh, several months back or whatever, and you guys were specifically talking about that and just the the advancements that have happened um, since there's been some fallout like Chernobyl and uh, even even over in Japan where they where they had that nuclear actor reactor which even that one was just crazy old and it wasn't being run properly. There was a lot of aspects to it that uh, even, even those um, just safeties have been placed, put in place that would help from that to never happen again and how much safer it is and how much more efficient it is. And um, man, it's just, but we're not going to see it. You know, it's, that's one of those things right now. There's another uh, really big push and it's, it's along the lines of all of this stuff on, on getting away from fossil fuels and all of that kind of stuff that are um, specific to Biden and to his uh, agendas that he is uh, pushing through right now, and and efficiency and like a st- like a um, natural gas or propane stoves and ovens, um, uh, powering houses. Like people don't realize this, but like electricity up here in in Michigan, where you're running temperatures of a negative eleven right now. In order for us to have an electric heater of some sort, whether it be baseboard heat, whether it be through a furnace or something like that, in order to keep up with that, our electric bill would be over $1,000 a month. And that's not an exaggeration for a small 1,500 square foot house, right? It's just, it's it's bonkers. So you have to have things like natural gas and and propane to then heat your house, to to bring in that heat to fulfill the needs that you have to keep yourselves even warm at that point. Not only that, like natural gas and propane are exponentially less expensive to actually run than yeah. electric devices are. And and so this this whole thought process of, well, no, it's it's bad for the environment, it's bad for this, it's 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 bonkers that they're trying to push these things through and forcing these things through where you're not able to buy these appliances and stuff because they're gas driven or whatever the case may be, when in all honesty, they're exponentially more efficient than running an electrical unit. And yeah. uh, it's all, all agendas. It's all. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with so much of um, this federal regulation um, and overreach really on a few different fronts. One that's really interesting and a bit of a powder keg is down at Texas along the border, this Eagle Pass Park, um, where, um, you know, our Border Patrol. Uh, agency was basically facilitating the entry of illegal aliens into the country. Uh, not, not turning them around, just quote unquote processing them uh, and, and really just, just turning them loose. Um, 
And so Texas came in and this is the area where like Texas had put up razor wire and the border patrol, the, the federal mm-hmm. agency, the border patrol literally cut and removed the razor wire. And so the national guard in Texas just went and took over this entire like two and a half mile section of the border. They took over this Eagle pass park and are not allowing any federal agents or agencies access. And, uh, the, the feds have been like, you have till this day to give us access. And Texas thus far has basically said, or what? That, I'm not, that's what I'm not understanding about this, because we are the United States of America, and each state is its own sovereign entity to a, a large majority, according to our, 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 our Constitution and Bill of Rights that we have that, that state these things. And for the federal government to try and usurp what is state authority, man, I'm not I'm not understanding how they're getting away with this and how they're even pushing this through at this point because Texas has the ability through through our constitution to protect themselves as a state. So yeah, I, I, it's kind of defying logic in my mind right now. We've seen a pretty steady degradation of uh, states' rights and autonomy. Since the late 1800s, early 1900s, no, this isn't me saying I wish the South had won. <laughs> we've had, <laughs> we've hashed that out here on the podcast. I'm glad the North won. I'm glad slavery was abolished. I'm sad it took 600,000 plus American deaths um, to to do it. Um, and uh, I do think it's a bummer that you know we arrived at a place where we couldn't solve it without also degrading. Uh, degrading, degrading is not a word, uh, degrading states' rights. Um, so, no, I, I wouldn't trade the loss of state rights for, uh, you know, and the ending of slavery. I wouldn't make that trade. Uh, it's just unfortunate. And, but then it was much further degraded in the, the very progressive socialist era of the early 1900s, um, you know, uh, under uh, Woodrow Wilson in particular. But I mean, we've just seen amendments and court decisions and just regulation and executive agency overreach that has just taken – used things like the EPA to take more and more and more control, right? And so it gets very muddy with uh like who who has control over that border area that is the border of texas it is also the border of the united states of america now it's mm-hmm. it's funny even the united states of america is a shift because once upon a time you would have heard people for the most part say these united states of america yeah. so even just that mentality that outlook on it um ha- has shifted um so i i don't know I know you don't mess with Texas. I know you don't do that. Um, This is the one state not to be pushing that against because I mean, they're already showing like, we're not going to put up with your garbage at this point. And that's why they're shipping all of these uh, illegal immigrants and stuff off to different areas because they can't handle it and they don't have the infrastructure for it. And you have places that are saying, Hey, we should have open borders. We should do this. We should do that. And that's cool. Like that's your choice to, to want that. Then you should not be offended when they arrive at your door uh, and, and you need to do something about it. That's, that's your choice as your state uh, and your ability. And so I, I get where he's coming from it. And to have the federal government coming in and saying, Hey, you just need to roll over and, and do what we tell you to um, man. It's just, it, it, that's definitely not the state to start pushing that with at this yeah. point, because I, I feel like, I feel like we will start seeing a shift at this point of states kind of regaining their power if it continues to go this way, which I don't think is a bad thing. 
Um, we are very far separated from from the wars that took place a couple hundred years ago now at this point, and I don't foresee us going back to those days of of those uh, because we have just um, I hesitate to use the word evolved, but we've we've matured in many ways where we've realized that the sins of the past. Um, and, and there are aspects to, to all of this. It's, Hey, we are a free country and we are free States and we have the ability to pick and choose these things and, and to live by these things. So I just, I, I, that's the only way I can see this going is they keep pushing either yeah. the federal government's going to back off or Texas is going to say, sorry, we're going to shove it right back down your throat. And then you're going to back off because we made you, you know? So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to pan out. Yeah. So the the other interesting aspect of this right now is um, this Supreme Court case, and I, I'm I'm trying to find the the name of the case real quick because they've already had um, oral arguments. Uh, but basically, this case was brought by herring fishermen out of I don't know, like Maine oh, yeah. or wherever they wherever they fish for herring. I, I don't know. Um, and the deal was like part of the the government regulations, and I, I do think like there is there is a place um, for um, like uh, proper and responsible management of wildlife resources um, to not be overhunting, to not be overfishing. I, I think that's that's absolutely appropriate. Uh, part of what was being put in place, again, by executive agency, by federal agency, right. not by federal law, is mm-hmm. forcing these fishermen to to pay out of their pocket to have an observer on their boats to ensure that they were following the regulations, which just feels darn close to like a fourth amendment violation. It almost feels like a violation of like, you know, quartering soldiers. Like it's not your house, but it kind of is, isn't it? Um, so, and so the fishermen are just like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. And what it has the potential to overturn is, What's referred to as like the uh, the Chevron rule or the Chevron um, doctrine, but basically what the courts had been doing and had upholding is like when Congress passes a law and the law is in any way like obscure, that they have then relied on the agency that's tasked with enacting the law to fill in the gaps to define that obscurity, right? And so, like, basically, like, these are the experts, so we'll defer to their take on this. Um, The problem is that it's Congress's job to write law, not the executive branch that all of these agencies fall under. And if you get to define it, then you're doing the legislating. And it needs to be, no, if a law is too obscure, then you've got to kick that back to Congress to clean that up. Um, And so... It, it's it's really looking like based on the way the oral arguments went on this case with the herring fishermen that they're gonna overturn this uh, this practice, um, which would be awesome and it absolutely should. I mean that's that's ridiculous on on any aspect. Up here we have we have what's called the DNR um, Department of Natural Resources, and and you go out and whether you're fishing or you're hunting or whatever the case may be, which is uh, all of those things are huge up here. Um, you do those things, and it, it would be this thought process of if you're going to go out on the water, then you've got to have a DNR officer with you, and you've got to pay their wages while they're out there with you while you're out. Like it, it's it's ridiculous to think of that. You know, it's 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 the same level of okay. Well, if you're going to drive somewhere, then you need to have you need to pay for law enforcement to sit in your passenger seat 
and monitor your speed on your way to work to make sure you don't speed because we just don't trust that you're going to do it. Yeah. And, and it's that's ridiculous to to put it to that level where um, they're literally being forced. And it's it's huge amounts. Like these are not small amounts of finances that are going on right now. Um, and it's not even here just in the United States. Like there's over in, in Europe right now, uh, there's this push specifically in Germany where they're trying to take away subsidies from all these farming communities and stuff that bro, that ends the up farmers like are thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. They're, they are not happy and they're not having it. And it's, those things are the things that are making me excited because it feels like the people are starting to recognize like, look, big government is bad. They keep pushing it. It's not a good thing. And you saw it in Canada when they were trying to do it with firearms and trying to force these new laws and stuff. And they're like, you have entire territories that are like, bro, don't even bother coming over here because we ain't going to do that. You know? Yeah. Well, you have the same been... thing happening over in Europe where it's like, no, that, that's not going to, it's not going to work for us. Like you, you work for us, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, and, and taking and it back to the immigration side, it's been so funny watching these quote unquote, uh, you know, um, sanctuary cities, particularly of the size of New York city and of Chicago. Um, you know, cities with these massive populations and a massive, massive tax base to go along with them. And they're basically at, at a, a point of crisis. They're basically at a point of declaring a state of emergency over getting just a fraction of the illegal immigrants coming across the border sent to their municipalities. And it's like, oh, these are the policies you're going to support and vote for? Well, then you're going to share in the fun. And what's funny is to have these mayors of Chicago and New York coming out and going, this isn't tenable. We can't continue to – we don't have the means to continue to support this. Cool. What do you think it's like for these little communities along the southern border that right. don't have the means and resources that you have? All right. And, and not only that, to to then turn around, and, and that's the biggest thing that's going on right now is them – coming after the federal government saying, hey, we need funding. We need funding to be able to do this. No, you don't need funding. Fix the issue and and problem is solved. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we need, it, it's what our country was founded upon, was allowing immigration to take place and to grow this country. My my great-great-grandfather came in through Canada. He, he came in from Europe, came in through Canada and northern Michigan, and he was an entrepreneur and literally, dude, this is back in like the 19... 19 1920s and stuff and in, in the late teens and early 20s and he he bought himself a, a ford truck and he used it he put benches in the back and drove people to church on sunday and the rest of the time he had like a little uh moving company that he would do like he was an entrepreneur doing these things but that's that's how we're here today was because he opened that door for that to happen immigrating over here and it's a whole different aspect of of recognizing that, that what's happening right now, and I think you said it even last week uh, or the week before, it, it really is an invasion that is taking place at this point because it's in such vast numbers and such huge numbers, and it's being completely unregulated. It's being unwatched. It's being uh, un, unstifled at any given point, and it's just this flood, this deluge that's coming in that we can't even keep up with at this yeah. point. And to sit there and, and, and to pass these policies that say, yes, this is what we should do, and then get ticked off when it starts happening, and then go to the federal government expecting the federal government to bail you out. Like, no, you need to crash and burn because this is what you did for yourself. That, well, that's just how it works. Th then, uh, you know, it's funny because 
so much heat gets put on the uh, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, and uh, our governor took some heat uh, here in Florida for participating in this of, you know, busing or flying these illegal immigrants to these other states and municipalities. But the federal government's doing the same thing. They're putting them on planes in the middle of the night. And uh, Ashley St. Clair uh, from the uh, Babylon Bee, actually, of all things, um, really put a spotlight on this in recent weeks because she ended up on one of these flights full of illegal immigrants. And so now we're getting all this reporting on it. It's happening in the middle of the night. It's like, who's paying for it? It's it's us. Side note, it's us. Um, but they are not having to think about how difficult it is for you to board a flight, listeners. If you're if you are a U.S. citizen flying anywhere in our country, at any U.S. airport, think about the hoops you jump through to get on to a flight that you have paid for. Um, they're allowing these illegal immigrants onto these flights without any identification. They don't have to present identification. There, I saw I saw pictures. Uh, Dave Rubin posted pictures this week of signs he saw at the airport uh, spelling out the the boarding process or the check in process for these illegal immigrants. And part of that process is an optional picture being taken of them, but that's optional. And in the meantime, we're seeing unprecedented numbers of military age males from China. From African countries, the, this isn't the beleaguered father of five from some Central or South American country. No. Just tr- trekking hundreds, if not thousands of miles to try to make a better way for his family. Just wants to work hard and earn his way. And the, the wife and the kids are in tow and they've been through this arduous journey. Is some of it that story? Yes. Absolutely it is. But it's not only that story and more and more and less and less is it that story. It's gang affiliated military age males, cartel affiliated military age males out of Central and South America. But more and more, we're seeing these individuals coming from regions and from countries that are absolutely hostile to the United States of America. What do you think they're here for? You you think they just want to. Uh, just earn their, they're just they're just looking to earn money to send back home. They're just looking to make a better life for them and their family. No, no. Yeah, and that's the most disappointing portion to all of that is is understanding that those things are taking place again. Like it's what our country was founded upon, and and we still need to have that ability for people to uh, move into our country to become part of this American dream that is there. Uh, but to to be completely just unhinged, um, unfettered, um, un, unvetted even uh, before they start coming into this country, like it just it, it it defies logic. You look back to those times of mass immigration, and they would come in through ports, and they would be checked. They were given you know new names and all of these things through that process of of however they did it. Um, you you come through that process to to become a citizen. Uh, even if you don't become a citizen, you know what I mean? Like, uh, again, there are people that need to be here that are refugees and stuff, and 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 they're they're fleeing their country because of whatever reason. And and again, that's that's not the process or the the problem. Refugees are not even the problem. It's it's the illegal immigrants that are coming into yeah. this country that are because refugees at this point they are vetted. 
their watch through, their check through, their their, yeah. their background check, all of those things. And so there's a difference in a, in a refugee as opposed to what is taking place in that southern border right now. Um, and it's being taken advantage of. But the problem is even those um, more traditional legitimate, uh, you know, the the pathways, pathways that are external to our normal immigration laws, but are still a pathway into America, a refugee status or an asylum status. Even now, though, those systems have been weaponized and people are coached what to say and how to get through the asylum system. Like the and cartel that makes sense. And that's where that's where like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've always been a bit of a conspiracy theorist. And I know you know that about me. Um, so I've always been that. But as as things have progressed over this last five years or so, man, so much more so than before, because at some point you got to look at it and be like, OK, what's the agenda here? Because there's got to be one. You know, there's there's got to be some reason that things are going the way that they are so purposefully in a specific direction. And it's not even just the illegal immigration. It's it's the aspects of um, just illegal drug use and how they're they're not prosecuting for illegal drug use. Not only are they not prosecuting, but they're providing you safe places to get your drugs, to get your needles, to get these things uh, and, and not you know, they can't have your names. They have, we have them up here even in Michigan where we have specific spots that you can go to, to get your drugs, to get your needles. And you can go into this safe space and they can't keep your name. And like, there's, there's all these aspects to it that are just, it's, it's, it's taking what is illegal and saying, Hey, we're going to provide a way for you to go on and break the law and not have any penalty to do so. So come on and join us. And, and, and you're just seeing this in so many areas and in so many ways in our country right now that it's really, really hard at this point to say that there's not some ulterior motive to, to all of it. Yeah. And, and I, I think there are some, some clear and, and, and I think it's a varying range. I don't think there's one overarching motive. Uh, I think there are people who recognize um, how it degrades um, traditional American values, traditional American systems, traditional American way of life. And I think there are people um, who are intentionally antagonistic towards those things and see that as a positive. I think there are particular politicians and political, uh, political groups that see it as a boon to their voting block. Um, I, I think there's a, a few different things like that um, at play. That said, listen, um, President Trump was in office four years. Um, he was going to build the wall, shut down the border, stop immigration. Was it better than it is now? Yeah. Was it shut down? Did Mexico pay for the wall? Was that no one getting through? No. Same under Bush, same under Reagan, same under Clinton, same under Obama. Nobody really, in regardless of who holds the Senate, regardless of who holds the House, nobody's really had the stomach to solve this problem. Uh, right or left. Um, you know, so is it better or worse? Sometimes, I mean, Hey, uh, Reagan botched this big time. Like there, there, amnesty was given to millions under Reagan mm -hmm. and he's, you know, our, our Republican stalwart, you know, it's everybody misses the Gipper and, uh, I, you and I, you and I have talked about it and you've talked even about it a lot on here or whatever, and on your thoughts of Trump and, um, and there's, there's a couple aspects that I, whatever, like take him, take him for what he is. And uh, you and I have both talked about the fact that dude just needed to get off of social media altogether. Like 
he would have a very, very different presence and, and a different thought process to people in their lives if the dude would just shut off social media. Like, just stop. Don't do it. Get away from it. And just that alone would have radically changed the perspective on him. But, and and I get the, the wall on the aspects of, and that's been, that's been one of the big things that's been pushed right now over this last month was Trump promised that he was going to build a wall and he was stopped from building the wall. No, it did not happen by Mexico. And and again, that comes from him running his mouth and and needing to just shut up and, and, and to be more diplomatic and to be more presidential in all of those ways. But if you remember, it was literally Congress continued to shut him down and refuse the funding to finish the wall. And they were small amounts in comparisons to what we were shipping off into other areas for aid or for this or for whatever reason. And and that was the biggest reason why that didn't happen. Even like the, the thought but see, process. That doesn't, he doesn't get a pass on that for me, though, because there, there was never a point where Congress wasn't going to be a hurdle to that process. And so but but he didn't ever say, listen. I, my intent. I'm gonna. I'm gonna work with Congress. I'm gonna work with both sides. This, this should be a bipartisan issue, and I'm going to make sure that it is. I, my deal. Like I, I'm the art of the deal guy, and I'm gonna put everybody at a table, and we're gonna make a deal, and we're gonna get this done. Or I'm gonna do everything I can do to get this done. But that's that's not what he said, right? Like that factor was always there. He was gonna drain the swamp. Swamp's not drained. Yeah, which that's the biggest thing that I don't like and and not seeing uh, take place is is yeah. the promises of that, and that's that's the biggest but, disappointment. But he really means it this it. time, Jason. He'll he'll really drain it this time. That's that's the hard part of it, and, and I'm right there with you. you know, you've talked a lot about Vivek Ramaswamy, and um, and and he out of everybody, like I really have, and I understand why people don't like him, and because he has a lot of Trump esque uh, attitude and and haughtiness that that he has, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why he didn't have more of a following. Um, he's, but the fact that he's able to lay out things and lay out how he's going to do, like he's, he's been the most put together politician or person yeah. running for political position that we've seen in our lifetime. In a long time. Sig- by, and by I mean, significantly, stroke. I mean, obviously he's, he's since uh, dropped out of the race, but right. significantly more intelligent than anyone else in the race on either side. So it, and it is disappointing to see it go the way that it did. And I understand, again, I understand why there are people that did not like him or did not like his personality and all of those kinds of things. At some point, man, like we've got to stop looking at someone and saying, well, it's, I don't like their personality. Like we've got to say, who's the best person for yeah. this job? And let's Dude, get that I did. Um, I did feel I felt like he was surging there uh, leading up to the, yeah. the Iowa caucus. And I feel like it just came a little too late, but more and you were seeing more and more. This is the really impressive footage for me of him. Like this is what was really bringing people around. If you go and even now go watch videos of Vivek Ramaswamy holding town halls, you know, holding rallies, whatever, and watch what happens when there's hecklers. Cause he doesn't shout them down. He doesn't mock them. He doesn't have them removed. He calms everyone down and gives them a microphone and he addresses their concerns. It's like mind-boggling. Yeah, we haven't seen anyone do anything like that in our lifetime. Like, I, there's been no one in our lifetime of of our 43, 44 years that we've been alive. Have we ever seen someone go to that level? Um, and there, and it's, there, it's disappointing that we finally have that. Yeah. And 
There's footage of him. This was a smaller event, but there's this kid and he's got like a sign and he's got a guitar and he's like outside of the event protesting and he stops everything. He goes outside. He's like, Hey man, I, I hear you out here. You're, you're allowed in. Like you can come in and ask your questions and raise your issues. Do you want to just come in and join us? And the kids like, I say kid, he's probably his early twenties or something, you know, looks college age. And uh, he's like flabbergasted because you can tell Vivek is, is genuine in this. Like it's not a ploy. He like helps the kid pack up his guitar and carry his stuff in. And the kid goes, Oh, I, I was told no signs are allowed in. He goes, it's fine. You can bring your sign in. He's like, come in and talk with us. And like, I want to hear your concerns. I want to hear your issues. Yeah. I'm like, and I, I'm being facetious as I'm acting amazed with this. I'm like, no, this dude's just like humanity 101. Like not treating the opposite, like the opposition party is not the enemy. Yeah. The, the hard thing is, is we live in a culture that it's, <coughs> it's hard for, it's hard for us just to hear truth as truth, right? Like everything has to be sugarcoated at this point. Um, and that is the society that we live in is that is the expectation as a pastor. Um, dude, do I ever wish, you know, I, I, I see like things from like Spurgeon and stuff pop up on like a Facebook feed or something like that. These, these older pastors and stuff that have been around and, uh, the, the ways that they, they deem or view that the church should be run or the way that preaching should take place. And, uh, it, it, it would fall flat in the world that we live in today. Because at this point, the generations that are alive right now are they needing they're needing to be sugarcoated. It needs to be in a softer approach. Because if you sit there and you just give it blatant as it is, even if you're just literally reading scripture, you say it and and that's not received. It's shut down. People disagree with it. They argue with it. Uh, they don't even hear it really as soon as they hear it and it offends them or gets upset. It gets shut down and you don't have the ability of doing that. And, and again, that's, that's probably his biggest plight was the fact that dude's just real. And, and it was refreshing for other people that want someone that's real. I think that was the reason why Trump had so many people following him because he just spoke his mind. He did so like a buffoon and, and Vivek has a little bit more class uh, and clout to it, but, but it was still a little too raw for, for the greatest majority of people. And I think that was his biggest plight that, that brought him down eventually. So. And how classy, right? To he was largely self-funding, you know, tens of millions into this campaign uh, leading up to Iowa. And how classy to look at that, see the numbers, see like in a in a five-way race because Asa Hutchinson was still on the ballot uh, for the Iowa caucus. Uh, President Trump earned not a plurality, but a majority. It's not that he had the biggest percentage. He had, it was over 50%. He had the majority in a five-way race. Um, For Vivek to step back and go, the voters have spoken. I'm clearly not what they want. It's very clear what they want. Uh, It's time to unite and throw our weight behind that. And, uh, you know, for, for the good of the country, to to get behind our candidate it, and it just it was it uh was such a show of humility in the face of Nikki Haley's speech after mm-hmm. the Iowa caucus who came in third out of 5 third out of 5 and in her speech is talking about how 
the voters have clearly now made this a two-person race. Uh, yeah. And, and she's exclaimed how, at this point, um, she won't be um, debating anyone else in this presidential race unless it's Trump or Biden. Basically, I'm now above uh, be, even being on the stage with Governor DeSantis, who, by the way, uh, beat me by, I can't remember what it was, like three percentage points in the which, Iowa which caucus. Which that was Iowa, and we're going to see a very, very different thing here in New Hampshire coming up. Uh, what is it, Tuesday or whatever that they have there? I, I, I have a feeling that things are going to be, I, I still think, whether you like them or not, um, I still think Trump is still going to have that that vote. Um in, in the primaries there, but I think it's going to flip. And I think that's part of the reason why she's saying it. But at the same time, um, my gosh, man, I, I, like you said, the humility that Vivek had in that moment where he just stepped back and said, you know what, let's, let's just come together and do this. Uh, which even Trump, that was one of the things that like, I'm like, gosh, man, I wish you could be that guy all the time. But when he got up and, and it was in that same conversation where Vivek got up and made those comments, gave him a hug, and all that stuff, and, and Trump comes up and he explains um, that the need that we have as a country to pull together and to fix where we're at right now so everyone can be living a happier and better life again. Um, like, it's like that's that's the guy who we want and that's who we need as a president uh, that has that thought process. And and it would just be, it would be great if, if that's who he was all the time. Yeah. You know? I, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the options are. Uh, when it comes time for the Florida primary, as things sit right now, my primary vote would be DeSantis. I say that with full realization that barring, I can't even say untimely deaths, <laughs> barring anyone becoming deceased, we're probably looking at President Biden and President Trump. And then the confounding factor then becomes that RFK Jr. is going to be a third-party candidate. He's running yeah, as an independent. independent. Yeah. And the dude really kind of is a happy medium. I mean, it's another old white dude. Again, uh, you know, I, that has no real bearing. Yeah, that has no real bearing for me. Um, I was fine with the young Indian dude, too. Um, <clears throat> but, man, does that really complicate a vote for somebody like me. The flip side is like, there are things about him that are very, very refreshing, but he is still an OG Democrat. He's just not like this super lefty, woke, progressive Democrat, but he's still, uh, you know, pro quote unquote right to choose and, and uh, uh, you know, um, some of these crazy environmental policies. And it's like, it's still stuff I don't support, but I'm like, like, is he more? I, I I don't I don't know. It gets it muddies the water for me. If that's the three way race, it muddies the water for me. Yeah, and I and I hear you on that. Uh, it, yeah, I, I don't disagree, and I think it would muddy people on both sides of of the ticket at that point um, because he is a bit more centralist. That was one of the things I was going to say before is uh, when when Trump was in office, and it's something we've been seeing probably since the early two thousands where there's just been this polarization for the sake of polarization. If you're a liberal, this is the way you believe, and it's completely opposite from what a conservative believes, and vice versa. 
And and that's the ridiculous aspect of it is like, my gosh, people, like we've got to work together. At some point, we are a team here. We are a country and we have different personalities and different likes, but we've got to have compromise and we've got to work together. And and we don't see that anymore. It, it's it's if a if a conservative pushes this idea, it's completely and vehemently against it if you're a liberal and vice versa. And and that's just going to destroy the country more so than anything. Because if again, it's it's divided that we are going to fall. It's unified that we'll come yeah. together and be our strongest. Yeah, I, I'm definitely at this point. I, I'm pretty much uh, a never Haley. I, I'm with Rand Paul on that one. I think she's, I think she's a corporate candidate. I, I think she's, uh, you know, in the vein of the the Bushes. Um, I, I think she's uh, a neocon, uh, more progressive than conservative. Um, I don't think she's someone who's going to keep us out of wars. I don't think she's someone who's going to do anything to uh, pay down our national debt or rein in our, our federal spending, nor was nor was Trump. Now, a, a lot of the deficit increase under Trump came at the end of his term with COVID, but the, to me, that doesn't make him any less responsible for that spending. The debt was still increased. of his debt increase was because of the, the response to pandemic or whatever i think i saw he was yeah he was still doing okay at charging the credit cards up until then oh yeah um you know the fact that we haven't seen a a a budget surplus in this country since clinton is just an abomination yeah and that was one again that was one of the things i liked about vivek um at the same token and and it's hard for me not to give him a pass like right now uh, you and i've talked about this I'm the the president of the like the the local youth football league here in our area, and um, it's it's an amazing program. Got a lot of amazing like families and people that are part of it. But with where it was at in the time, it was at the time when everything was needing to be replaced. Like so, uh, just as an example, helmets. Right, you have helmets that you're providing for kids. Technology to those helmets changes throughout the years. They've got to be serviced every two years. They've got to be checked. And then after 10 years, you've got to replace regardless to make sure that you're keeping these kids safe, right? And and I came in right at this cusp of, okay, we need new we need new pads. We need new uniforms. We need new helmets. And so we're starting to trickle those things out. And there's the added extra expense in this moment of where we're at right now. Because in two, three years, at that point, we're going to be good for the next seven after that. But right now... We're in this cusp where everything has to get transitioned out. And a big part of the spending where I did like look at what Trump did, and I'm not fighting for Trump. Like that's not where I'm at on this. But you look at where he was and the things that he was spending money on. He was trying to fix a lot of the stuff that had been broken that was needing to be replaced, needing to be fixed for decades that was being just completely pushed off and ignored and he's at this point where it's like, hey, these are some of the promises and infrastructure and stuff that need to happen because our roads and our bridges are falling apart and all these extra things. And he came in and he's like, okay, so yes, it was more expensive because at some point you've got to fix the broken system before you can actually get to that years, those years where things are then good and you're not having to spend as much. Yeah, no, there's there's wisdom there. Um, I, I just don't, I, I, there's just still no belt tightening though. I, I mean, they, they, they're just, they're just what, like it's, um, we were still just seeing 
just de- deficit spending after deficit spending. We we just can't we just can't keep it up. And and now it's accelerated such rate. I mean, we're adding a trillion dollars every three months or so. I mean, it's just insane. It's 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 un literally unfathomable numbers. The the yeah. vast majority of people. I I don't. It's you know it's one of those things that you need perspective of like this many seconds is this many days. A million seconds is this many days, but a billion seconds is this many years and a trillion is this number of millennia, right? Like you really need a visual to give you the scope of the, of the amount of what we're, we're talking about. Um, and uh, I'm just so over anyone who's willing to sign a bill that spends one penny more than what we're taking in at this point. It, it just shouldn't happen ever again. Balance your freaking budget. Balance your budget. And again, going back to Vivek, that was one of the things I liked most about him is right now the reason why we are hemorrhaging money as much as we are as a country is because we have such a bloated government that that needs to be downsized and needs to be renegotiated uh, to correct the issues that are going on. You know, um, we talked the last time I was on, it was it was in the midst of all of the the shutdowns and the strikes and stuff for the labor unions and uh, all that stuff for the auto auto companies. And you have all these, all these agreements now that have taken place. And it's literally what you and I talked about, uh, like two, two, three weeks before it had actually happened. All of a sudden you start having the big three start laying off thousands and thousands of people. Why? Because there's only so much money to be had. And just because you're wanting more money doesn't mean that I can just artificially create more money. Yeah. It's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And and so you're seeing thousands and thousands of people that were fighting for these raises. Now they don't even have a job because they fought for these raises. And and at some point, there's only so much to give. You can only bleed a turnip so much before it is dry. Yeah. And, and, and that's what you're saying. Like, it, it's just there's a point where our government is so bloated. We've got to get rid of large portions of it and renegotiate it, reorganize it, restructure it to, to fix the hemorrhaging that is there. We got to put a tourniquet on it. Yeah. You're talking about that well, in the last. I'm, I mean, we we see it time and time again. You know, like if you're working in a little shop, you're one of three people working there. You're all making ten dollars an hour. You're costing your employer thirty dollars an hour. You're actually costing your employer more than thirty dollars an hour because they're also paying workman's comp and they're paying half of your FICA taxes and uh, yada yada yada. But let's, for the sake of math, you're making ten dollars an hour. Let's say the three of you are costing them thirty dollars an hour, and there's a local referendum in your city or or in your state, and you're going to vote and you're going to support and you're going to pass a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage because you're like, man, I'd love to be making fifty percent more. It's not easy getting by on ten dollars an hour, and it's not. No one is intended to be getting by on that salary, by the way. that's You're not supposed to be supporting a family on that. You're supposed to be no. learning skills and adding to your skill set to make you more valuable to the workforce. Um, but what happens isn't that the three of you all start making $15 an hour and life is happy. No, one of two things happen. Uh, either one of you gets laid off and now two of you are making $15 an hour because all your employer had to spend on labor was $30 an hour. So now two of you get to do the work of three of you because now two of you cost the same as three of you used to. Or or your owner has to raise the prices to cover their new nut because their labor expenses went up by 50%. And, and, and not only that, but that always – like inflation 100% of the time when you start giving more money into the system, it, it forces inflation. At 100% of the time. Yeah. That's hard for people to grasp 
uh, to understand and, and even what inflation is. But 100% of the time, if you start giving more money into the market, it forces that dollar to be less, which is inflation. Your dollar no longer goes as far as it did. And because of that, now the, there's an increased cost in what you were getting. Uh, and that's that's why everyone's hurting. That's why when you go to the store right now, and we're still like everybody in this in, in the country, in the world probably at this point, is still trying to learn that when you go to the grocery store now at this point, whether it be Walmart, Publix, Target, wherever you're going, what used to cost you 100 150 bucks is now costing you 300 and 350 or 400 dollars and it's defi- you're like why don't i have any money what man we're hemorrhaging money and we're putting more money on credit cards and we're doing this and, and you're digging yourself in this hole because everything has gone up so ridiculously and yeah. such a fast rate and it's hard for us to grasp that but that's what happens 100 percent of the time well and that's that's the funny thing because that's that's the other kicking the stones here, right? Is okay. You've got your 15 bucks an hour. Um, but you stop at that little coffee shop, that little smoothie shop you like on the way home. That was also a little three person, four person operation. And guess what? Your coffee or your smoothie or your little sandwich that comes with your smoothie. They're all 50% more expensive. So now your $15 an hour isn't getting you any farther than your $10 an hour was. Congratulations. (laughs) Have you eaten eaten at Burger King lately? Uh, I'm not a Burger King guy, but I'll tell you this. I stopped at McDonald's. I had an early start at last week, so I made a rare stop at McDonald's. Now, I'm not one of these people that's going to bash McDonald's food because their breakfast food's friggin' delicious. Um, if you're working on lifespan and health span, should it be part of your plan? I don't know. Probably not, but it's friggin' delicious. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't have time, so I, I stop at McDonald's. Now, I got – this is my exact order, okay? I get uh, – a sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin meal with just the small black coffee. I didn't upgrade my drink. I didn't even ask for cream. Small black coffee. Hash brown. And I added, I'm going to live a little, I added a sausage burrito. My bill was over 11 freaking dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's where I was going. I uh, I was We were just hungry for Whoppers. I think we saw a commercial or something like that, and we're like, hey, we'll go to Burger King. And, and there's four of us again. Uh, my daughters are getting bigger now. You know, one's, one's 12, getting ready to be 13. My youngest is getting ready to be 13. My oldest is getting ready to be 15. And um, so, I mean, they're not adults, right? They're, they're getting to be teenagers and into teenage years and stuff. And, but they're, they're girls. They don't eat a whole lot. And, but they're at the point where they need an adult meal, right? They can't have a, a little slider. That's just not going to fly anymore. And so we went. We all got Whoppers. We all got fries. Didn't get drinks like we didn't get the meals or anything like that. We literally got four Whoppers, four fries. I think I had the biggest fry. I think I got a large. I'm talking about living. Um, Angel had like a medium and the girls had like smalls or something like that, right? And it was like 50-something dollars, 50 yeah. or 60 bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, what in the world happened? Like I remember going, and, and I know like that's the whole, I remember back in my day. Uh, but going back to, to Burger King and stuff and where Whoppers were, you know, two for three bucks, two for five bucks and stuff like that. Uh, Arby's, you'd go and get the, it was five for five for their little, whatever the cheesy sandwich that they had there. Um, the beefy cheese or whatever it's called. It was five for five. Again, McDonald's, all of that stuff, you just get it. And it was such a, a radical difference. And now like, it's literally less expensive for you to go out to a decent restaurant than it is for you to go to fast food. Dude. I remember, I remember being a punk BMXer, 
riding around my little city, my buddies here in Central Florida, and we'd have a dollar, maybe two, in our pockets. And yeah, you, you, you know, welcome to this edition of Grumpy Old Men. Jason and I are we're getting older here. Well, there's a little gray in the beard. So, you know, this would have been mid-90s. We're riding around our little town. And with two bucks in your pocket, you could stop at Taco Bell. And if you were willing to fill your water cup with Sprite, and we were, you could live like a king at Taco Bell in 1994 on two bucks. You know, I was I was actually going to say that the one place that I feel like that's a fast food restaurant that you can still go to and it's fairly comparable is Taco Bell. Like you can still go get a five dollar cravings box and and eat a very large meal for five bucks. Dude, and I can't remember the price, but you used to be able to get the ten packs of tacos, and it was like yeah. sub it was sub five dollars for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, now they're like twelve or fourteen or something like that to get the the 10 taco Supremes or whatever it is, but you have those things that have gone up, but it's still, you can, if you have to live on a pinch, Taco Bell is the only place to do it at this point. There's no longer dollar menus anywhere else. Like yeah. if you, if you want to eat out and you've got to eat on a budget, Taco Bell is about the only place you can find now. Since the creation of the federal reserve, again, we're taking us back to the early 1900s, which were a crap period for the United States of America. Since the creation of the Federal Reserve, which ironically is neither federal nor a reserve, um, but the if you look at the at the charter at the intended purpose of the Federal Reserve, right? It's it's to ensure the strength of the dollar and ensure the strength of our our monetary our economic system to to smooth out the bumps, right? to prevent things like the Great Depression, to prevent recessions. And instead, what it does is delay those things and then make them worse than when the rubber band snaps instead of uh, the much more natural cycles we would see. But since the creation of the Federal Reserve, the U.S. dollar has lost 98% of its purchasing power. That's crazy, man. The dollar is worth two cents. On the dollar of what it was when the Federal Reserve was created. That's a that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow. I'd know? say um, I I I feel comfortable in objectively saying mission failed. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm no economist. I'm not I'm not a doctor, but I am a thinker, and I am comfortable in deeming that mission failed. Oh gosh, man. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And at the same time, now I'm no uh I'm not uh you know, I'm no gold bug. Um but uh, you know, I'm no Peter Schiff. I've been dabbling in I'm not even going to say crypto cuz that's so broad and so much of crypto is garbage, but I am still dabbling and very intrigued. Uh, in resources like uh, Bitcoin, uh, to some extent, Litecoin, um, and the rest of them all get uh, get a little sketchy. But uh, and I think um, gold uh, as a medium of exchange has its own challenges, right? It's it's difficult for me to come and exchange gold with you for goods or services. 
um, particularly when we don't mint coins from gold anymore. And mm -hmm. even when we did, governments debased that. I mean, there's a great episode of the Tuttle Twins TV show uh, that illustrates how, how Rome was shaving gold from gold coins to reduce the weight of the coin and use those shavings to mint other coins. Um, and as a, the idea then was it was actually the metal in the coin that conveyed the value. It's not like a quarter now is worth what a quarter is because we all agree that it is. And somebody says so, right? right. Like the, the gold, what the coin was made out of is what conveyed the value. But uh, it's like, if you look at gold over time, um, and, and I, I want to say, I've probably shared this on here before because it's, it's such a unique fact, but it's like you go back to when Henry Ford was paying his workers and, and the left loves to cite Henry Ford as somebody who like paid this great wage. And it was, you know, he paid them, I can't remember, a buck, a buck 25 every so often. But it was, uh, you know, when we were tied to the gold standard, if you, if you take the equivalent amount of gold value in what they were being paid. If you had that in gold, which then it was backed by the money was backed by gold. You could exchange it for gold. Um, so if you, if you take the equivalent amount of gold, then that would have bought you say like a, a nice tailored suit, like a nice Italian tailored suit. If you took that same weight, that same amount of gold right now, you could go and buy a nice tailored Italian suit with it. Really? So it's yeah. the same at this point? Roughly. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's just because of the inflation. Yeah. That may, I mean, it makes sense. And I think you and I have kind of talked about that previously or whatever, that it's, it's, it's really based off of percentages, right? Like, yes, you may be making $800 more a week right now, but you're getting the same amount that you did before. And you're in the same boat that you were before where it always feels like you don't have enough. And, um, it's, it's really percentages. Everything kind of balances out. Right now, I feel like we're off kilter because inflation went so fast. It's abnormal how fast inflation has increased in this current time that we're in right now. And that's why we're so off kilter. It's not usually felt as readily as the season that we're in right now. Um, but it, it makes sense. It's it's the same amount of buying power that you had then. Uh, you just, it looks like more than what you had. Um, yeah. we, uh, we had someone here at the church. They donated some Venezuelan money. And um, they just revalued their money back in, I think, 2018 or something along those lines. And uh, literally at this point, you know, they had $1 million bills and $10 million bills and all of this kind of stuff. And the way that they revalued it is they reduced, they changed the face of it, and then they reduced the number of zeros that was on it. And so literally you may have a $10 million Venezuelan boulevard or whatever it's called, right, in your hand, but it's really only worth what would be a hundred thousand Bolivar in today's money, even yeah. though it says that number because of that revaluing and uh, it, it all balances out. It's, it's all about percentages. Yeah. I mean, there's just with, with fiat money, I mean, we just really haven't solved this even when, again, like you look all the way back to, to Rome, even with precious metals as the medium of exchange, they found a way to, to debase them. Um, and so, but it's still, it's still tougher, uh, you know, if, at least if you're trading on something with inherent value, you know, that value's there, or you're at least tied to something of inherent value, uh, with fiat money, with the printing, it, it just, 
you can look at it. The the history history only tells one story. Like it's it's going to end in hyperinflation or failure uh, without some drastic change. So either tying it back to um, something of intrinsic value like gold or a pivot to something not not a government issued digital currency that can be tracked and controlled, but something decentralized um, like Bitcoin that has uh, scarcity built into it where you can't just go and create more um, is is really, uh, you know, a, a pivot in one of those directions really is the only option to fix it. Right. The, the scary thing on all of that is with, and, and I don't think Bitcoin at this point is, you know, it's not the mark of the beast and, and all of these things. Um, but you can you can definitely see how moving things to a digital format like that, because again, there's not this intrinsic value. It's it's something that is completely digital uh, at this point. Um, it's not something you're going to hold in your hands. And um, by having that, it, what stops a government from saying, okay, we are, we are going to revalue our money and it's going to be based off of this. There's this this set amount that it's going to be worth and kind of doing the exact same thing, but even centralizing it and making this the, the new financial way to pay for anything, regardless of where you're at. And it ends up becoming a world currency or anything along those lines. I mean, it's yeah, all that. That's, I mean, that's the advantage to Bitcoin and is that it is decentralized. You can't control it. Right. Um, and it it is like the genie's out of the bottle. There's no putting it back, right? It, for the Firefly fans out there, like you can't stop the signal, right? Um, so you know where I, I that used to be like my same thought process, and I hadn't ever before having Brian DeMint come on the podcast, author of, of Bitcoin Evangelism, which I, I highly recommend that read to to anybody who's even moderately interested uh, in digital currency in Bitcoin. Um, you know, as I'm like, oh, you can, oh, like it's, it's ones and zeros. There's nothing you can hold. There's no real value there. Uh, and I really just didn't understand it. Like part of with a system like Bitcoin there, there's actually, um, you know, I think most people are kind of, if you're, if this is on your radar at all, um, you kind of understand probably to some degree or have heard talk about the mining process and how, uh, like how intensive it is in electrical and electricity use. Um, and so there, there is actually a, a ton of value, a ton of time and a resource that goes into minting, into creating uh, new Bitcoin. And so there actually is inherent value in it because you can't just um, you you can't just on a computer say make me more Bitcoin. That's not how those come about. Right. Um, so it's it's you can't just program more and you can't just obtain more without putting time and resource into it. So the the resource investment to obtain is what instills the value, and then that's compounded by the scarcity, right? Like anybody who I I guess you can't use baseball cards really as the example anymore. It's you got to go for like a, I don't know a rare Pokemon card or something. But once upon a time, if you wanted any baseball card, you wanted either a, a mint condition Babe Ruth rookie card, or you wanted a mint condition Lou Gehrig rookie card in baseball because they were worth so much money and they were worth so much money because there were so few of them still in existence, right? Lots of them found an untimely death and some bicycle spoke. Um, and so like that, that uh, inherent scarcity of the fact that there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin 
ever. And you, we know to the date, based on the, the schedule of how, how Bitcoin is created and with what frequency and the having. So we, we know almost to the day, the, la the day the last Bitcoin will be minted, which is kind of crazy, versus you look at the uncertainty of inflation, of, of creation of uh, monetary supply right now. So you already have that additional certainty there. Then with the uh, scarcity baked in, there can't be any more of that. Like the code can't be tweaked in a way where there's going to be more. And actually, it's less than that because there's already a certain number of Bitcoin that have been lost. People have forgotten their their keys, their passphrases to obtain them. Um, some are like a million or more are in the wallet of the creator that still really nobody knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is. So if he's not just waiting somewhere for that to like make him a trillionaire several times over and then cash in those million or one and a half million or whatever are already removed from that. So it's actually even more scarce than the 21 million and 21 million sounds like a lot until you start to break down. Like there's more than 21 million millionaires in the world. So already, if everybody wants in on the game, if every millionaire wants to have, say, a Bitcoin for funsies, already the price of those 21 million, by necessity, has to go through the roof. Right. Right? Just because there's a, if you want one, it, okay, well, it's a bidding war. Right? Which, so, and that's, that's, yeah, that's Bitcoin. That's Litecoin. Like you said, there's several other cryptos that are out there that are doge. You know what I mean? Like, whether <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like you have several others that are that are pretty worthless at this point in the game, and and going to remain worthless. And um, I'll be honest, that was that with Doge was actually the first thing that I ended up getting in on, or whatever. And <laughs> I when when I say that, I, I say like I think uh -huh. I put like twenty bucks or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was something really insignificant. I'm not I'm not dumping thousands of dollars into this or anything along those lines. Um, you know, and maybe one day. Maybe one day it'll bounce up to the point where I can sell it off and, and actually make something on it. Uh, the likelihood of it is very nil, but it'll sit yeah. there. You know? it's, it's but it's game. what what makes these things, so, A, like why these things are so different is not every crypto asset is is created in the same way that, that Bitcoin is or Litecoin is very, very similar. Um, they're, so they're not so they don't don't all have those same restrictions on how they're minted where you have to put that energy and value that intrinsic you ha you have to invest the value in to get the asset out um they're not limited in quantity there's just different factors that make they're they're not all the same that's why you can't just say crypto with a broad stroke and it's all the same thing cuz they're it's not right. uh but all that said a centralized digital currency run and operated by a federal government or you know, conglomerate of federal governments uh, or of governments is a very, very different thing. Uh, it not only would it not have scarcity built in, but, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's terrifying to like, look at what happened with Russia when they invaded Ukraine and their debit cards and credit cards were unilaterally at the individual yeah. level, not talking government sanctions at the individual level, your, Amex stopped working, your Discover card stopped working, your debit card stopped working. Like those companies just said, no, we're not doing business in this country anymore. And those were private companies now. They were being nudged, but those were private companies. Imagine the government, wherever you are, the government yeah. 
knowing every every penny that you spend on anything ever and being able shut that down on the to turn it off yeah you you went to the wrong rally Mm -hmm. you fraternized with the wrong person um your your social credit score just dipped a little too low that was the thing i was saying with like the january 6th stuff right now that, that that's just Literally, there are people that are being prosecuted who weren't even there. They weren't even in the state. They weren't. They weren't in Washington D.C. Yes. They weren't. They weren't even there, and yeah. they're being prosecuted as part of of the the problem of what caused it to take place. And and it's just it's it's mind boggling. Um, I think it was you that was actually talking about it in one of your last shows or whatever. How a lot of the air marshals and stuff, they've literally been pulled from being air marshals and they're now literally following people that were potentially tied to the yeah. January 6th. And uh, in the mean, in the I meantime, because we know it wasn't, you know, well, we're told that that was an, inc- an unprecedented insurrection and an unprecedented threat to democracy in America. Uh, in the meantime, we see uh, pro Hamas protests outside of the white house shaking the fence, climbing the fence, hopping the fence, throwing things at both uniformed and non-uniformed secret service agents. And there's no, there's no pepper spray. There's no arrests. There's no outcry. Um, they're, they're just, I, I don't know. I guess they're mostly peaceful protesters, I guess. Yeah. It, uh, again, it, it, you really have to look at it at some point and start recognizing there's reasons behind all of it. And, um, and, and there's whether, whether you believe in a cabal, like all of that kind of stuff, whatever conspiracy mumbo jumbo that you, you, you know, subscribe to or whatever the case may be at some point, you've got to look at it. At least you've got to be able to recognize if you have a level head on your shoulders, You've got to recognize that the staggering difference of things that's taking place uh, with with one side of the table to the other and the prosecutions that are happening, the imprisonments that are happening, the the, the way that they're imprisoning people for what they're saying took place or didn't take place. Um, I mean, look at look at the Hunter Biden stuff with with all of this. Uh, And I think you may have said it, I don't know, a few times ago or whatever. Imagine if it was one of Trump's kids that that had the laptop or was snorting coke on white house property or any you know it was just um what was it his firearm or whatever he had a firearm and there was literally they they tested it out and it had cocaine all over the firearm and <laughs> yes. like there's these are all things that are like like there's hard evidence on these things and literally nothing is being done about any of it and and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that that should this have been on the other side of this my gosh, it would have been blown out of proportion and it would have been a huge thing. Now at this point, it's like, whatever, you know, it's not a big deal. The, the white house is, I think easily, easily, arguably one of the most secure and surveilled, um, buildings, uh, you know, whatever, uh, anywhere in the, in the world. Yeah. And you think about the fact that, Cocaine was found in the White House <laughs> in, in what I understand is an area that's that's only accessible to first family. Um, that, that might be wrong. It's been a while. But just re- regardless, wherever it was found in the White House, that 
that the culmination of that quote unquote investigation was we don't know. It's a, it's a, it's <laughs> a mystery. Know. It's it's just it's a mystery. Can't solve it. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, so. Um, I, I've done I've done both the public tour of the White House, uh, and I've done a, a private West Wing tour after hours. Um, that pretty much like you've got to know a staffer or somebody, and if the president's not in the White House or in the residence, you can go after normal business hours. You can go in and tour the West Wing, and so that's what we did. We, it was a, a friend of a family member was working on some task force for the vice president. Biden, uh, his office was actually in the OEOB right next to the white house, but that still counted as a white house staffer. And so uh, we got to go in and do the hoops you have to jump through. And I mean, scanners upon scanners and, you know, drug dogs and bomb sniffing. This is on top of like electrical sensors for these things. Um, you know, and they're swabbing your stuff and doing like the explosive tests like they do sometimes at the airport, whatever, like you don't you don't just carry cocaine into the White House. You just don't. Uh, that's not a thing, unless 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 you get a pass. <laughs> Big asterisk here. Unless you're one of the people that can enter the building without going through all those things. Um, and this, there's a very very select few that that's this possible. Wasn't a tourist that dropped a dime bag. This wasn't that. That's not no. a thing. But it's I'm, but uh, it's it's an unsolved. Uh, I mean, you know, Sherlock himself just couldn't solve this one. It's confounded us. Now we know for sure. We know for sure who did and said what, when, and where uh, at the Capitol building, the grounds surrounding the Capitol building, and anywhere else in the contiguous contiguous United States around January sixth. But the cocaine in the White House stumped. Yeah. And again, it comes and it's it's disappointing and it's not disappointing because I am a conservative. Right. Um, I definitely tend to be more of a centrist myself as well. Like I'm not full on taking away people's rights and forcing religion upon them. Like, like I'm not on that aspect of it. But um, but man, again, looking looking at the system and the things that are going on right now and seeing how off kilter they are uh, is is just it defies every bit of logic and it really shouldn't take you very much brain power or effort to look at it and see the staggering difference and realize like this is not fair. And and if we're going to trust our government, which is one of the biggest problems is because you really can't trust your government. But if you're going to try and trust uh, these, these people that you're electing um, to a position man, you've got to look at it and, and recognize, Hey, this is, this is not working the way it should, you know? Yeah. Even, even My holding planet. people accountable, yeah. like China right now, it, it just came out. I think it was just this week uh, that they've been testing, um, which I know you're, you're a really big fan of China, um, but they've been, they've been testing a new variant of COVID. And <laughs> like, I feel like most of us are like, we're so done with it and we're so like, good Lord. It's, like why, why test? I, I know there are some businesses that require it and stuff like that or whatever, or immunosuppressed. I, I get some of that stuff, but for the general populace or whatever, you, you had a cold and, and you were fine with understanding you have a cold. The same thing, you know, uh, just after Christmas, Angel and I, we both got sick. And, and I'll be honest, at one point, 
I, I lost my sense of taste and smell. I haven't had that kind of stuff since post my first experience with Rona. Um, so who knows if that's what it was, if, if it's even possible to get more, whatever the case may be. But now you have literally at this point, China, and, and they've professed it, they've talked about it as the most deadly strain, and, and they're testing it on, on rats and lab mice and stuff like this, and it's killing yeah. 100% of them. And, and it's like, why in God's green earth is there no one doing anything about this? Why is this allowed? Like, and they're flaunting it, that that yeah. stuff is out there. Yeah, I uh, to China, if you're listening, I think we all know you are. Uh, Pre- President Xi, listen, uh, I'd like to float an idea by you, and I, this is just this is just a suggestion. Take it or leave it. But here's what I'm thinking: How about you don't? That's the idea. How about you don't? How about you cut it out? How about that? What do you say? Can we get behind this? How about no? I just, I'm just putting it good out. Good luck with that. <laughs> take it or take it or leave it. Yeah, good, good. good uh, I, I'm. If you need more more details on this plan, uh, I'm available. Um, <laughs> but the salient point is no. That's it. Just no. How about, how about, since your population is collapsing anyways, and you're about to have bigger problems, how about you leave Taiwan alone, you stop messing with the viruses, and, uh, you know, you just try and keep your people employed and fed. How about that? What do you say? What do you, what do you, can we, can we find some common ground here? I'm just throwing it out there. Unfortunately, that is the the plight of the world. Is you're always going to have people that just they're just jerks. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like you, you <laughs> got a, you got a you've got a pretty sweet gig. Like you've gotten pretty good at making stuff all the way from cheap garbage to super high tech devices. So listen, how about how about listen? How about you just stop being a tool and you and you do that? You like make stuff, the rest of us will buy it. It's cool. And when we buy it, you use that money. And what you do is you feed your people. And hey, you know what? You can even you can even save some money. How about you take down some cameras? How about how about you just listen, listen. Stop, stop with the viruses. Okay. Let's not do that anymore. Um, leave the bats alone. Okay. No more bats. Uh, we're going to stop that. We're going to take down the cameras. We're going to take down the microphones. We're just going to let people be. You're just going to let them be people. And uh, you're going to make stuff. The rest of us are going to buy it. You're going to stop, stop messing around in the South China Sea. All right. Cut that out. We're going to cut that out. You're going to make stuff. You're going to feed your people and let them be. And like pretty much everybody will just get along. Like we'll just be good to go. Uh, I apologize, Solid 7. I got him on a rant. <laughs> I, I just, I think we're, I, I think, hey, listen, 
the the chances that President Xi both hears this and is swayed by my argument are are small, but they're not zero. And I think it's just worth putting out there. We can, that, we can uh, have hope. Hey, I think there's I, I think there's some easy pivots here where you could just like not suck. I think it'd be awesome. You've got a manufacturing base. Uh, you've got some natural resources. You've got that awesome wall and uh, all those like carved soldiers. You've got some cool stuff to look at. Uh, you've got hardworking people and uh, you got a, a lot of great history and culture. And I think if you could just, you know, calm down. Again, we're going to leave Taiwan alone. We're going to leave the viruses and the bats alone. Most of this plan is about leaving people and or things alone. Uh, it's actually, you know what? I, I think even, I think the new generation, I think they have this saying, you're doing too much, buddy. You're doing too much. And uh, I think if you, if you just do less, I think that'd be better. Just less surveillance, less bats, less viruses. And uh, I, think you'll be, I think you'll be okay. I don't know. Did you see that? Uh, did you see that Taiwan ended up? Now that we're on China, did you see that Taiwan ended up uh, reelecting their their anti-China president again? Yeah, you know. Listen, you got to give it to the people of Taiwan. They've really got a set. I, I'm surprised. I really yeah. didn't expect it to go that way. I mean, obviously, I'm not that studied into any of their economics or their political systems or anything along those lines, but. Uh, I'm surprised from the things that I did here and the ways that it went. One, because I really expected China to kind of intervene and, and mess with the election process yeah. to begin with. Um, I was really expecting that because, man, it would have just been easier for them to take over Taiwan if they had a person that was willing to just sign a check, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's man, this this year is going to be a, a really big and pivotal year, I think, in the entire world. Um, and I think a lot of it hinges on the things that we were talking about before with just the current political atmosphere of the United States and the things that are happening here and uh, what is going to happen into the future. So it's, uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like we need to buckle up and be ready for a wild ride. Yeah. I think at this point I would be pretty okay with four years of uh, mean tweets and no wars. I, that sounds very appealing right now better would be no wars and and uh, no wars and no mean tweets yes and yes, i think i think i think that's i think that's on the table uh i think that's possible um for if you're out there and you're like and we talked about it earlier if you're like man I, like i i i i didn't uh i didn't hate uh the trump presidency i didn't hate it i just wish he would have stayed off social media i just wish he had a little more self-control, maybe a little more gravitas, uh, maybe a little less baggage. Um, we have a word for that, okay? Uh, it's DeSantis. Uh, so if you're looking for that, if you're looking for, like, the the Trump presidency, sans baggage and mean tweets, um, the English word for that, I have looked this up in the dictionary, dictionary is DeSantis. 
Um, you'll likely see that terminology on uh, a, a ballot at a, at a caucus or a, a primary near you. Um, so if you're like, I'd really, I'd really go for that. Um, I feel then, bad. I feel like his team has failed him. Yeah. Um, just, just yeah. in the, in the marketing of him. Uh, I mean, do the way that he's, he's run the state of Florida, the things that he's done, uh, showing that he's got some clout showing that he's got some guff, um, that he's able to come into difficult situations and and have solutions for those difficult situations and, and thrive in them. Yeah. Uh, but then to come into this whole political atmosphere and arena that he's in right now, um, man, they've just, I feel like his team has absolutely failed him. And yeah. while I, while I really like him and his policies, I, I find it just really, really hard to believe that it's going to go anywhere. Like that's the hardest. Yeah. The, the campaign just wasn't. Was. And, yeah. and from the, from the jump, uh, you know, he should have announced sooner. He should have mm-hmm. announced, you know, right on the heels of his landslide election down here. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it wasn't the, the right team. And Hey, you know, the Jocko and me says that buck stops with him, right? He picked the team. Yeah. Um, but you know, Running a national election, running a presidential or a campaign uh, is different than even for governor. You don't know what you don't know. There's a learning curve to these things. Um, you know, very few people are the nominee on their first attempt. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't I don't think he's done uh, in, in presidential politics or in federal politics or, you know, anything like that if he if he's not the nominee. So, so we'll see, but yeah, it's, it's a shame to see it squandered because, uh, just having lived it, just a fantastic, uh, executive. Um, so, so that's a bummer, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, if, if no wars and no mean tweets is not on the menu, I would take no wars and mean tweets. I would be okay with that. So, uh, you know, you and maybe, I both. yeah, maybe, maybe we plug up the border just a little. Uh, just a little bit and, uh, we don't start any new wars and, and then there's some tweets that people don't like. And you know what? Um, a Elon, I'm sorry. They're not even tweets anymore. All right. They're posts. Okay. So let's get our terminology straight. And, uh, so here's the deal. If, uh, if Trump is elected again, uh, and that's, he's not as a, a mutual friend of Jason's and I used to say, that's not your bag of cake. Um, cool. Just do this for me on social media. Just, uh, just unfollow. Just, uh, and then, then you don't see, then you don't see those. So I'm solving a lot of problems. I, I would say that would be the case, except for you and I both know that whether you follow him or not, you're going to see it on social media, even though you're not following him as well as in the news and on newspapers and magazines and everything else, because yeah, man, it, it's kind of like what Elon is going through with one car exploding or the batteries burning up, you know, here and there. Um, they, they take one situation, they blow it out of proportion and, and yeah. make it something so much bigger than what it was. Um, yeah. And that, that tends to be, again, the, the offsided, unkiltered um access to 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 the way that things are and uh the way that things are so readily available and the fact that what is available to us is very very one-sided for the most part yeah yeah i think my solve for all this and i, and I realize i'm throwing out a, a lot of solutions tonight 
And it's just all part of the service we provide here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Um, but I think my solve is just, um, I'm just going to jack into the matrix. We're all worried, is this a simulation? Isn't this a simulation? Let's just, let's just lean into that. Let's just dive in. Uh, I'm just going to order uh, the Apple Vision Pro. I'm going to I'm going to throw that headset on and I'm just going to pretend the rest of this crap just does not exist anymore. You know, I uh I I know you you like the Apple products or whatever. I actually have an Oculus too. And uh dude, I love it. It's yeah. it's awesome. I know it's not like real life or anything. Um but man, the the way that VR stuff has has just uh, improved even even with what's still there, because now there's the Oculus three and all of that kind of stuff, and they've improved little bits here and there. But even with the Oculus two, dude, they are awesome. I really like them. So I wish to God the Apple Vision Pro or whatever it is would be less money, because um, I could I could definitely see the benefit of that that aspect. Not that I'm going to walk yeah. around with that headset on, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I listen. You know, we've got Chat GPT, we've got Grok over at X. AI is coming. I, guys, I, I think we just stop fighting it. I think we we just lean in and just go ahead and jack in to the matrix and uh, let's, let's just let it happen. What was that movie? I think it was uh, Bruce Willis that he was in. And that was very much how it was. Like everyone was just an, uh, like an automaton or whatever. Like you had a, a robot version of yourself and you stayed in your house to keep yourself safe. And it was, I can't remember the name of the movie, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of along clearly, the lines of what you're talking about right now. <laughs> clearly, uh, folks, I've been, my tongue has been deep in my cheek for, uh, several, several minutes here now. Oh, really? I, I do think China can chill out just a little bit and be okay. But, uh, no, don't jack into the matrix, uh, pay attention to what's going on around and, uh, fight like hell for our way of life. Cause it's, uh, it's worth fighting for, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's no simple solutions. There's no there's no perfect candidate. There's no perfect country. Uh, but uh, we can be better than we are right now. We should uh, we should work on that. That's the truth, man. And it we really gotta we gotta pick what's best for we gotta pick what's best for us. That's yeah. that's the hardest part. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's we don't have the greatest of choices. You know, it it ends up coming down to the lesser of two evils most of the time uh, in this case yeah. it may end up being the lesser of three evils uh, but either way get out there and yeah get out there and make your community a better place yeah I, we just gotta find our way back to truth we really do i mean um you know january 6th is, is the perfect example of depending on who you're talking to and what their political belief system is if they were, if 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 somebody was the right from the right was describing the events of January sixth to you, without saying the terminology January sixth, or insurrection, or you know any of the buzzwords, and somebody from the left was describing the same event to you, without using any of the identifying terms, you'd think they were describing two different events at two different places at two different times. Uh, we just have, we, we, we've got to find our way back to shared truth, shared values. Um, we got to find our, our way back to some, some common ground We're, really, we need to turn our TVs off, put our phones down. I mean, after you listen to the podcast, like listen to the podcast, then put your phone down, um, and, uh, go, uh, touch grass and talk to some people. 
for real. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, go make your community a better place. Uh, start, yeah. start somewhere and, and only you can control you. You can't control the people around you. Uh, but you, you can make the world a better place around you. And, uh, man, I strongly encourage that. And when you meet those people, do us a favor, tell them about the sounds of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we'll all, we'll all just be in a better place. Jason, I love you, dude. I love you too, man. We don't do this often enough. Love it. Every time we get to always appreciate you making the time for it, man. Absolutely, dude. It's, it's my and, pleasure uh, and my honor. Listeners. We love you too. Hope you hope you learned something tonight, or at the very least, laughed a little, either at us or with us. I'm okay with either one, but we appreciate you sticking it out with us for a couple of hours. If you haven't already, uh, look down at your podcast app and uh, hit that little follow button, subscribe button, um, reviews, always welcome, little thumbs up, five stars, uh, all greatly appreciated here at the podcast. And more importantly, um, like the little... Well, I don't know what the share button looks like on your silly little Android devices, Jason, but on our on our vastly superior iOS devices, there's the little square with the arrow. Uh, tell if you enjoy this, tell a friend about the podcast, man. That's like the the coolest. Like for all of the like, become a Patreon supporter. Awesome, freaking love Patreon supporters, one hundred percent. You know, buy some merch. Awesome. You know, use our link for Go Ruck or Jocko Fuel. Cool. Legit, that stuff's all awesome. But I would, like, if you're going to do one thing, one thing, I would rather you recommend the podcast to somebody than to do any of those things. If you'd hit share and tell somebody about that episode that you love or that podcast that you love and it's us, I'll take that over over all those other things. And, but if you want to do any of that, stop by the website, solid7podcast.com, solid the number seven podcast.com. There's always links to the latest episodes like the one you just listened to right now. So it's a great way to share the podcast with others. Links to our affiliates while we have them are all right there uh, on the website. You can become a Patreon supporter. You can snag some merch, uh, a hoodie, a shirt, uh, a highly coveted solid seven podcast patch. They're all uh, right there on the website. And of course, links to our socials at X and Instagram and Facebook, where we never post or interact with anyone. <laughs> and with that, Jason, love you, brother. Listeners, we love, love you. Love you, man. We're out. See you. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast.